Hello, friends. What the fuck's going on? This episode is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is a website that lets you build websites, allows you to make your own website, a beautiful, professional website, and it's easy to do. Anyone can do it if you know how to use a computer, and I really mean that. Anyone can do it. It's a very simple, easy-to-use, drag-and-drop user interface. What that means is if you can click on a file and move it to a folder, if you can add a photograph to an email, you can use Squarespace, and you can make a fucking kick-ass website. Really. It's so easy to do. It's so easy to do, they allow you to try it for free. If you want to see some examples, go to DougStanhope.com. Doug Stanhope's web guy made it through Squarespace. It is hosted by Squarespace. Squarespace works on everything perfectly. It works on an iPhone, an Android device. It'll work on Windows. It'll work on a Mac. It is the shit. Your, your problems have been solved. If you've been thinking about, man, I want to get a website, I don't know how to start, do it yourself. Do it yourself and do it with Squarespace. And start your free trial by going to squarespace.com forward slash Joe. That's squarespace.com forward slash Joe. You also get a free domain name if you sign up for a year. You can't go fucking wrong with Squarespace. That's my version of their copy. It says you should pause Squarespace. That doesn't mean anything. Whoever makes those things at the end, stop. Just stop. Because it used to be build it beautiful. How about Squarespace is the shit? If you want to make a website, Squarespace is the shit. Squarespace.com forward slash Joe. Go there and uh, save yourself some motherfucking money. That's my version of it. We're also brought to you by NatureBox. NatureBox is an awesome way for you to get wholesome snacks delivered right to your door. And you can tell them what you like. Sweet, spicy, vegan, non-GMO. And they have an algorithm that will provide personalized recommendations based on your preferences. If you want to know what I like... I'm a big fan of Sriracha cashews. I've talked about it many times before on the podcast, but it's because they're so fucking delicious. God damn, they're good. I also like Big Island pineapples. They are just simple. It's sliced dried pineapples, and they are so goddamn yummy. How about some teriyaki beef jerky in your life, bitch? They're awesome. NatureBox also has uh, like more than 100 different options. And smart, delicious, it makes it very easy. By smart, I mean, like, their whole setup with the algorithm. Not like, what are you saying? The cashews are smart? You're a fucking sellout. No, I'm saying their system is smart, you fuck. God damn it, why I have to be so negative fake person that I'm arguing with? With NatureBox Smart Snack Guarantee, also, you never get a snack you don't like. If you do get one, if you do ever get a snack you don't like, rather, they'll replace it in your next box for free. So... This is supposed to, I'm supposed to say this, but this is a stupid thing again. These fucking people that write these ads. Win your snacks this year. Win with your snacks this year. What does that mean? Is it a fucking competition, goddammit? Is everything a game? How about get some awesome, delicious shit? Go to naturebox.com forward slash Rogan to get 50% off your first box now. How are you going to get a better deal than that? You're not. Head to naturebox.com forward slash Rogan right now to get the right snacks for 2016. 50% off, you fucking savages. 
naturebox.com forward slash Rogan. High quality snacks, delicious snacks sent to your doorstop. Naturebox.com forward slash Rogan. We are also brought to you each and every episode by Onnit.com. O-N-N-I-T. Onnit is a total human optimization website. And what that means is we provide you with all sorts of groovy shit to get it together. And what do I mean by that? I mean by optimizing your physical body, optimizing the way your mind works, optimizing the way your your muscles and your tissue function, whether it is through supplements like Alpha Brain or Shroom Tech Sport, whether it is through strength and conditioning equipment like our zombie kettlebells. Are you one of those motherfuckers that's training for the zombie apocalypse? Well, guess what? You can do it with a fucking zombie piece of weightlifting equipment. <gasps> What are you saying? I'm saying zombie kettlebells, goddammit. Limited edition zombie bells. Limited edition because uh, they're actually made by an artist. 3D map designed and created by Stephen Shubin Jr., a badass artist who's created these dope-looking cast-iron zombies that will be... They'll be around long after you and I are gone, ladies and gentlemen. They're fucking awesome. They're cool-looking. We have them in zombies. We have them in the great apes, including Bigfoot, who I wish was real. But he's a great ape. And uh, we also have them in the Legend Bells. The Legend Bells, uh, Werewolf, Cyclops, and Harpy. And uh, more to come. We've got some some more stuff cooking when it comes to that. But uh, the Werewolf is uh, 61 pounds. It's an awesome weight to uh, throw around if you're a fucking stud. Uh, Just one of the things that we have it on it. We also believe on it in a big way. We believe in... Providing information that's also going to enhance your, your, your physical being, your mental being, optimize your existence. And that's why we have the Onnit Academy link. Onnit Academy link is filled with all sorts of really cool and fascinating shit. Um, different articles on nutrition, articles on exercise physiology, articles on um, just motivational articles um, about how to get up for workouts and uh, motivational videos as well. And there's also a physical on it Academy in Austin, Texas, a physical gym, which is filled with all sorts of fucking cool shit, all sorts of great uh, classes, fantastic instructors. If you go to the on it.com uh, Instagram page, you'll see a sample of some of those workouts that some of these people are doing. It's a great place to work out if you're in Austin, Texas. So there's the Onnit Academy link on the website. That's just it's free. It's filled with cool articles. And there's the Onnit Academy in Austin, Texas, which is the best place to work out on the planet Earth. I said it. You heard me, bitch. Go to onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T. Use the code word Rogan and save 10% off any and all supplements. Joe Rogan, why are you talking so fast? Because I'm hopped up on some fucking caveman coffee. CavemanCoffeeCO.com. I drank two nitros today. I think that's too much. I don't think that's, I don't think that's, uh, I drank some fucking regular caveman coffee too in coffee form. I might be a junkie. CavemanCoffeeCO.com. All right. My guest today are uh, my great friend, Douglas Duran. You might have heard me talk about Doug before. Um, he uh, runs and owns uh, a family farm in uh, Casanova, Wisconsin, where uh, I have hunted with Steve Ranella and Brian Callen. And uh, he's just a great friend. I visit him every time I'm in town, and we've you know, hung out together a bunch of times. He's just a great, great guy. And um, he wanted to come on and shed some light on what it's like to uh, run a cattle ranch He's been a, a cattle farmer and being a part of cattle farming 
a big portion of his life uh, was fascinated by the uh, the podcast that I had with the Cowspiracy guys. Agreed with them on a lot and disagreed with them on some things. And we want, he wanted to talk about both those. He also brought his friend Nathan Ide with him, a very very cool guy who also grew up his whole life uh, in that world and uh, wanted to give his side of the experiences of uh, being uh, on a dairy farm and a cattle farm and uh, also shed some light on how it all works, the behind the scenes operations and, and some really fascinating fucking statistics about E. coli numbers in grass fed beef versus uh, grain fed. We'll get to all that later, but without any further uh, fucking shit, two podcasts in a row. I slipped up. My friend, Doug Duran, and his friend, now my friend, Nathan I. Joe Rogan Podcast, check it out. The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Ladies and gentlemen, Doug Duran. Uh, I always wanted to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I never get a I always chance. wanted you to do it, man. My man. And yeah. uh, you brought your friend, Nathan Ide. Both of you guys escaped the winter of Wisconsin, which I'm representing right now. Yeah. Hunty T-shirt. And um, Mating and Giannis Putellis, this is their company, and Mating sent me uh, a code for people if you want to use this. If you go to hunttoeat.com. And I think it's the code word is just Joe Rogan all in one word. Uh, I'm going to find it in one second. And if you do that, I think you get 10% off. Hold on a second. I'll find that real quick. Do, do, do. Uh, yeah, Joe Rogan, all caps, 10% off. Hunt to eat. And it's what it is. Uh, some of them are license plates. This one's the Wisconsin one. It's just a, a circle. It shows the state. Little deer in it. Little deer tracks friends. around it. Yeah. Our friends, their company. And um, great guys, man. The best. They nice, really nicest are. people. They work for Steve Rinella at Meat Eater, and uh, we know them well. Doug Duran, of course, is my friend from Wisconsin, and he brought his friend, Nathan. ID. And, uh, yeah. And ID. Gonna, yeah. And we're going to talk about some stuff, and well, it's just good to see you anyway. But uh, we're yeah. also going to talk about this one thing that came out today that I, I tweeted that uh, they found that there's a huge difference. Not just a little difference, because people have always wondered, like, does it matter if you buy grass-fed food? Does it matter if you buy, I mean, what, what, does it really matter? Well, it, apparently it does. There's a new study that found clear differences between organic and non-organic meat and milk. And this is the largest study of its kind. An international team of experts led by Newcastle University in the UK has shown that both organic milk and organic meat contain around 50% more beneficial omega-3 fatty acids than conventionally pro, uh, produced products, which is pretty fascinating because a lot of people have speculated that it's all BS, that you go and you buy grass-fed this or grass-fed that. It doesn't mean anything, but it means a lot. Well, you know what's interesting to me about it is uh, so much of it for me is intuitive. Uh, I grew up with cattle, and it makes sense that a, a ruminant, a cow, uh, it eats grass. You know, that's what it eats. And you start putting all this other stuff into it, for instance, corn, soybeans, and that sort of thing. That's not what they were made to eat. Um, and so then you take that a step further and have it be, uh, I think they're referring in this to organic that they're talking about grass fed. Yes. And <clears throat> so they're, they're eating what they're supposed to eat, not what we somehow along the way decided, well, this yeah. is what they're going to eat, corn or soybeans, because they'll put on that fat that we all like so much. Well, or, mm -hmm. Speeds up the process. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It speeds up the maturing process of the animal. Uh, 
but not in a good way necessarily. Yeah. You oh, know? It, yeah. It so, does so many, it so makes, many bad things. Yeah. It makes so much sense to me that uh, from just from a common sense level that this is going to be the best thing for the animal. And then down the way, it's going to be the best thing for us. Uh, we're not forcing stuff on that animal that um, that uh, they wouldn't you know normally normally be eating. They aren't going to eat it by choice. But I will tell you, if I, uh, I the cows, they're not the ones that uh, I had when you were out there. But if I go out with the cattle that I have now that I bought uh, about a year ago, I bang two buckets together yep. and they come running because they know the food's coming. Well, because they used to be fed corn. Oh, so these are animals that you purchased? Yeah, that but, were already. At maturity? Uh, yeah, they were bred cows. So I was looking to get uh, those, those cattle that I had when you were there, or that we had when you were there, I sold. We had a drought year, and hay prices went through the roof, and I had a uh, had a barn and shed full of hay, which was pretty valuable, and the cattle were still pretty valuable. So I sold, was able to sell those and then take the winter off and spend some time in Mexico and whatnot because I didn't right. have to feed cattle. <laughs> but, uh, and then... Uh, decided to get back into the game. So now I've got a, a herd of Herefords that I bought last year. A herd of what? Herefords. What's a Hereford? Hereford is a, it's a breed that I think originated in Britain. Um, and white face, red animal. So a lot of the ones that we had when you were there the last time were actually a Hereford cross. Um, so they were a, a Hereford originally, or the, their original uh, brood cows were Herefords, and then we bred them to like a black Angus or a red Angus crossbred um, to get some hybrid vigor out of them and that sort of thing. Or what, what is the difference? What's the difference of? of it between different styles of cows or different breeds of cows? Wow. Um, <laughs> everything from the how they put on weight to how they look to um, uh, in the, the what efficiency. Nat- yeah, efficiency, efficiency is a big how thing. they'll put weight on. Um, uh, in, if they're dairy cattle. Um, some of the like Guernseys and Jerseys and that sort of thing, um, they won't produce as much milk, but it'll have a real high butter fat content. Um, so well, that's fascinating. With the same food, so with the same feeding them the same thing, different cows produce different butter fats. Yeah. Uh, so Holsteins, which is the 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 sort of the traditional uh, dairy cow, big black and white thing. You know, you've seen them on everything. Uh, they're a big animal, big bone. You know, really tall, big animal. Um, and they sort of have the ability to kind of eat. They're not as picky eater. Um, they produce a lot of milk, but it'll have a lower butter fat. I can't believe I'm talking about dairy. <laughs> I mean, I've been out of the dairy business since 1988. But, uh, well, it's fascinating stuff. Yeah, most most no, people really, have no idea. Yeah, and right. I had no idea yeah. that, that different cows will produce a different level of dairy fat. It, oh, no, that's exactly right. And then butter fat is what a farmer is paid on. So 100 pounds, which is in is about 8 pounds to the gallon, um, and, and in milk you're paid by the pound, um, 100 pounds of 3.5% butterfat, for instance, is not worth as much as 100 pounds of 4.5% butterfat. Hmm. So there's this whole calibration system they use to do that. So, you know, milk's being tested all the time, both uh, organic grass-fed, uh, managed pasture-raised, and, you know, more modern, if you will, um, the uh, confined animal uh, facilities where they're, you know, milking, I don't know, a thousand cows in a real small area or very, you know, confining them in a very small area. Um, Where uh, Nate and I both grew up, 
uh, and you saw our farm, a lot of pasture, fields, that sort of thing. So the cattle are kind of walking around doing their thing out on pasture. They come in at, in the evening, you, you'd feed them uh, sort of a supplement of it might be grain or it might be hay, it you know, might be these various things. And it kind of depended, and that all evolved over time um, and in my lifetime. And, and you were always sort of aiming to get the most out of each one of those animals. And depending on how you looked at the science, um, you know, people spent their whole lives studying how to get the most out of a cow. Um, depending on how you looked at that science, um, you made decisions about that. Well, when I was a kid, there was a lot more of, and I mean a kid like in the 60s, in the early 60s, there was a lot more common sense involved. Um, and now it's much more like in those big milking operations, that sort of thing. It's more science. It's like, how, here's how we can get the most out of them. So you remember this shift between what was like normal farming, normal dairy farming, normal meat cow farming, to this thing that we're seeing now that most people have a real big problem with, this factory farming installations where you have these cows jammed into these warehouses and chickens and the same thing with pigs. And the thing, those are the things that people have a real issue with when they see them on television and they see yeah. YouTube videos. You, do you remember this shift? Oh, God, yeah. Um, so I was, I'm 57 years old. I was born in 1959. By the time I was old enough to drive a tractor, which is when you're about four years old, where I'm from. <laughs> <laughs> you were driving a tractor at four? Well, you're sitting there steering it anyway and you know, going through the field. And they're Powerful picking up Wisconsin. Bro- I was six. <laughs> I was six when I, when I jumped up. So do you, you remember this? Like- oh, yeah. And so when I was a kid, um, do you remember where we shot, when, where we had that shooting range set up by yes. my house? That mm-hmm. little kind of... Uh, it was an old foundation there. That was a chicken coop. Okay. We had chickens there. There was a granary in between. The, the little building that we finally call the keep out shed now because it's the security there. It just says keep out on the door. Um, that was a, a facility where we raised pigs. And then we had a rolling herd of about um, 40 milk cows. And they were Holsteins. And so it was a diverse farm. It was a diverse ecosystem, if you will. And I don't know. Uh, during the uh, uh, Nixon administration, uh, Earl Butts, who was the Secretary of Agriculture then, came out and said, get big or get out. And that was really the beginning of the end of the small family farm. What do you mean? Like he said he said this? Like w- was it a statement on, the, it was on a television? Statement. Or in, like, what, how did this go down? Uh, boy, I'm sure you, uh, it could be found somewhere, but uh, – Get bigger, get. I mean, that's just the. Uh, it was like a part a campaign. of a, a, Yeah, it was a or a press conference yeah. or something to that effect. That that was yeah. going to be the move in agriculture. You know, and it was a long process. I mean, I remember um, our exit, if you will, from the the dairy sector. Um, ours came in the late '90s, so there was a big shift. You know, if just for example, my, my grandfather was running the farm in 1977, and the, the milk price was like 14 or 15 dollars per hundredweight. When my dad was forced to sell in, I think it was 98 or 99, it was like nine bucks. You know, so you're trying to raise a family and continue a legacy and you're getting paid dirt, you know. So, what caused that, that shift? Big agriculture. Yeah, it was, it was systematic. You know, it was a systematic shift to the corporate. And there's some sense. I want to say there's some sense in it, but that's probably not. Uh, <laughs> 
a completely i mean you understand that efficiency getting you know it's it's the american way you get bigger you get uh, there's efficiencies in the in, in scale but what um, i'm trying to understand like what was the motivation was it that populations were booming because there's a lot more people today yeah uh, there, i mean i think we looked at it up the other day i think in the night in 1970 there was something like 150 million people in this country now there's 300 million yeah yeah that's not that long ago i mean that's in my lifetime and that's crazy that's crazy that the population's doubled and the demand for food obviously doubled as well you know something that's really interesting if you look at that area where you came out and visited the exact opposite has happened in population there. There's half as many people in our area as they were as there were. And it's a, a farm kid. area. And it's a farm area. Um, so the small farm, the family farm, is what's really suffering because they, it's so hard to make ends meet with these gigantic operations that are just – Yeah. Is that – Well, they can – you know, I mean it makes sense. You know, on a, on a business scale, you can afford to sell a product cheaper – if you're doing it bigger, but yeah. the, the things you lose there are the quality uh, and the the sustainability and environmental impact of the process. You know, you, you got these big farms. Well, basically, they they have they got make more product, but they also make more shit. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's a water issue. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that was a big part of that documentary, Cowspiracy, where they were trying to talk about the methane that's produced by cows, the methane, and just the, just getting rid of the actual yeah. cow shit itself. Like you're talking about massive, massive quantities. Well, and and when I was when I was younger, and even now, the manure that's produced on our farm, like now in the winter, I'm feeding hay, and mm-hmm. they're confined would be a little kind of a strong word. They stay around where the hay is, you know, and the, and we've got fresh water there for them, and it's spring water, and I can talk about that later. But they stay in that area, um, and so that's where also where they're, you know, shitting, and the, and so you, I end up piling that stuff up. And I pile it up and I compost it and I put it on everything from a community garden nearby to our fields to um, people want to come by and say, hey, man, can I get a, can I look, get a load of shit? And, uh, and sure as heck, I, you know, I give it to them. <laughs> Whereas for that, for a big facility, it's where do we get rid of this shit? Right, right. Yeah. What I'm – one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about this is because I think that um, – most of us that when I say us like people that live in cities have almost no idea of how all this stuff works and when when people examine it or they try to watch a documentary on it or try to figure out like uh, how how cows are raised one of the things we get confused about is stop playing with that thing man (laughs) we get confused about is how did it happen like how did these things become these gigantic sort of operations where it seems so, so inhumane. Well, it's it, you know it is it's a business model. It's a business model like uh, corporations, right. like banks, like everything. It's the same. It's the same idea. Interestingly, to me, in our area, and 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 Nate and some of the folks that he knows are an example, and, and I am to a, a, a lesser extent um, because. It's just a little bit different on our farm. It's not something where I'm trying to make a living at it, you know, um, that it's starting to go the other. It, it very much has gone the other way. Things like community supported agriculture and those sort of things are happening um, that people want to know their farmer. Right. So there's like a, a, a blowback. So people are realizing that there's something kind of crazy about these factory farming setups. And so now they're trying to get their meat more from organic farms. But how much more expensive is it, say, like with one of your farms? 
I sell bulk, and I consider bulk anything over fifty pounds um, for six fifty a pound. So, like a family could come to you and buy directly. Oh yeah, absolutely. And do you do you sell most of your stuff directly, or do you sell it to like a wholesaler? Or well, how does that work? What I try to do is, and, and my whole goal with my meat production. I mean, we do a lot of other things. We'll maybe get into later, but um, the meat production, I I try to take care of a certain amount of families, you know, and when they need meat, I have it. I'm not really, I don't market it. I mean, it's all, I have customers and they come to me when they want meat. So, so it's like a word of mouth type thing? Yeah, and, and some people buy a quarter, you know, which is like 100 to 150 pounds sometimes. And some people will come and buy 20 pounds when they need it, you know. Now I have a buddy who uh, is a fireman who does that. He has like a, a deal with a local rancher and he buys like the him and a couple of the families that he's friends with. They'll go in on like a side of beef. They'll go in on like a whole half of yeah. a cow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, they 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 save money that way and then they know they're getting like real organic grass-fed cows like with that nice yellow fat. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I have to tell you this story um some years ago when we were raising beef uh one of the things that i did for my uh my ex-wife and i did for my brother and sister-in-law was gave them a a quarter of beef for christmas and uh i thought it was being real clever you know the steers at that time kind of all had the same name they the 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 heifer calves the female calves i give them different names or different numbers and everything because we keep them around but the steers all had the same name and that was dinner (laughs) (laughs) And but, a steer, for people who don't know, oh, is a cow that has its balls removed. The male, male that's cow. Right. So eunuch. Yeah. And uh, and there's a lot of there's a lot of good reasons for doing that. Um, and just so nobody says, so you're knocking this thing down and cutting its nuts off. Well, yeah, that is what we're doing. But when we knock it down, we actually sedate it. It goes to sleep. Um, it wakes up and it's singing soprano. I mean, that's how that, how that works. And they just, jerk a little bit though when you. Well, yeah, well, you but, were you know, too. I would imagine. I don't care whether you're sedated or not. Right. But, um, but, and so, yeah, that is what a steer is. So, I'm sorry, the story was that, uh, so we gave uh, Sarah and Art these, uh, this quarter of beef, and um, we were making a presentation of it, and they had uh, the, the neighbors over. Uh, and so, everybody's sitting around the table, and there's a couple of girls young women maybe 10 to, and 14 something like that i don't remember their exact ages but i had this polaroid picture of of that steer and said you know and i had it in quotations dinner and i made a presentation of well we gave you this meat and here's this wonderful steak that we're having and everything and here's the before and here's the after apparently i turned one of those girls into a vegetarian <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and i felt horrible about it well but, you're You've been there from the beginning, from the time you were really young. You've been there from, I mean, it's a part of your life, yeah. right? You, you've always been around cows. You've always been around cattle. Yeah. It seems totally normal to you. But to somebody that just is used to going to the supermarket and buying a steak that comes neatly wrapped in saran wrap on yeah. a nice little foam tray, you're kind of freaking them out with reality. And I learned something that day about it. But some of the folks that buy um, meat from me, they come out. And they take a look at the place. And, you know, I mean, you've been there. You've been there in not maybe the nicest time of the year because it was cold and, and all of that. And the cattle weren't out on pasture. We had them confined in the barnyard. Um, and they're out walking around. They're laying on the hillside. They're chewing their cud. Man, it's just, they're just, 
happy as they can be. And, and, and they're looking at me and they're looking at the cattle. And so I'm going to have some of that meat. And it's just like, there's that connection, you know, no, if I don't get anything else across here during this conversation, I'd encourage people to know their farmer, know the guy who's raising that, uh, whatever it is, yeah, exactly. vegetables or meat or whatever for them. Well, it's very difficult for someone who is not used to the idea of an animal being alive and then being dead and then cut up and then portioned into steaks and then cooking it. People that are used to going to the supermarket and buying it already done for them, to be sort of uh, forced to look at that whole process as an adult is – it's a little disconcerting for a lot of people because we're we're faced with this very convenient world yeah. where we're completely detached from any of this stuff. Now, as a guy who's been around it your whole life, that's got to be kind of frustrating when you see the hypocrisy of people who eat the meat but really kind of don't want to know where it came from. Yeah, hypocrisy is the only sin, you know, in my world. Uh, it's kind of the way I feel about it. Um, but I don't know necessarily that's a hypocrisy, hypocrisy as much as it's just ignorance. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, you know, I also want to say I don't take it lightly at all. When we load up a cow or a steer or whatever, we, I put them on there, man. It's just like when we shoot wildlife, you know, we kill wildlife, something like that. It is, we did a thing, and, and, or you're doing a – this is a big thing. There's a reverence. Mm-hmm. Reverence there it. is a reverence. That's exactly the right word, Nate. There's a reverence to it that um, you have in these smaller situations. I mean, I could see where if I had 500 steers and I'm raising to 1,250 pounds, I might not have the same reverence uh, to those right. animals. But right. they're giving me something. And I, you know, I'm taking it from them, but that's my deal, you know? Well, that's similar. the similar argument when you're talking about large populations of people, that there's sort of this diffusion of responsibility that comes with interacting with 20 million people versus 20 people. When you're around 20 people, you have a town of 20 people, you know everybody, you know, and the relationships are kind of important. Whereas 20 million people, you give the finger to somebody on the road, what's the idea? You're, you're <laughs> never going to see, see them, them again. again. Yeah. Yeah, you hope you not, know? right? right. You hope not. But if you're in uh, Casanova and you, you see that dickhead down the street from you that leaves the, the nasty uh, voicemail messages, <laughs> you're gonna, <laughs> you'll never forget that I'll one. Never forget <laughs> that one. That fucking guy is crazy. You played that for us. That was, that was seared into our head. Uh, but, you know, that you, you have, you're, you're forced into a relationship with that person, and you have to manage that relationship. Yeah. When you have, you know... How many cows you have now? Uh, I have twenty head running around. Yeah, yeah. So if you have twenty cows, like what, when you have to, and even you know when you do the deed, you're not you're you're really not saying I have to kill this cow. Like, but you're saying when we load one up, when we do the deed, you know, there's all these euphemisms for what you're doing. You're going to kill this cow. Yeah. It's like it's a maybe that's because of the fact that there's so many of them, or there, but rather there's uh, so few of them that you have this. You know, this is like a it's a big moment. It is a big moment. You know, I, I sold a, a, a cow this fall that, um, through no fault of her own, had a prolapse cervix. And if you want to know what that is, essentially her uh, cervix pushed out. And no matter how many times you push it back in and sew things up, she's going to continue to push. So she's not going to be productive. Um, and her productivity is to have calves. Um, and I felt terrible about it. Didn't mean I didn't do it. I mean, I know we're, I knew you what, mean do it mean kill her. Well, I didn't kill her, but yeah, I you mean, I put her else that, do it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, um, and I'm not, uh, I'm not passing that responsibility off to somebody else from the standpoint of, well, I don't want to do it. So I have somebody else do it. I'll do it when it needs to be done. 
But when we're, uh, Nate and I both are selling, uh, you're selling meat to people, there's regulations that go along with it. I mean, I can't just like drop a cow in the, in the barn, you know, in the, in the, in the driveway of the barn, hang her up, cut her up and start selling Joe Rogan meat. Um, there's USDA inspection and all that. So we both send our uh, animals to very small uh, family run uh, slaughterhouses, butcher shops. And they so do you it. don't necessarily kill them yourself. No, 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 never. No. Oh, you know, you know, if something. If you were it, doing one for yourself, you would. Yep. Yeah, yeah, um, and have. So if you want to sell it, then you have to go through these and USDA slaughterhouses. Yep. And you have to have a stamp and the yep. um, inspection. Yeah, and and there's uh, you know a standard to that. Now mm. I would confidently never sell you any of my beef if I butchered it myself, but I would confidently <laughs> give it to you. And say this is as I mean you've seen how we do it yeah. out there. Um, with, so this, with, this is basically just government regulations that you have to follow. Yeah, yeah but I mean there's a standardization, yeah. and I'm all I'm down with that. There's there's a pretty cool movement going on. the The place I go to is is called Driftless Meats in Viroqua, and and it's a it's a really like when they bring in a cow. Like one of the big problems with these slaughterhouses, Joe, is you know a lot of them you you bring your cow in the night before, and there's who knows how many cows jammed into a pen and they're stressed out, they're rutting around, bumping each other. These guys up there, I think the max they take in on a slaughter day is four. And so these cows got their own pen. They're, you know, it's very stress-free. It's very relaxed. You know, so the process, and, and that's what's so important about all of this and the sustainability and environmental impact, it's all about the process. You know, it's fortunately there's a, a really strong movement in that sector of the of the processing is going on, you know. Conscious Carnivore is a, is a place near us, a uh, facility near us, and I just I think that's a very important way of putting it. Um, you know, the guys from uh, Cowspiracy, there was a lot. I agreed Abs- with, with those guys. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Yep. that's what I think is unfortunate about the exaggerations of some some of their claims because yeah. I think that if they just stuck with what's absolute and reality, it's very disturbing. The sustainability doesn't look good. You know, but what's what's interesting is look. Here's some things that you disagree with strongly. It's one of the reasons why we got into this conversation. One thing: the amount of acreage that it takes yeah. to grow a cow, or I to did raise some, a cow. I did. Uh, I've been in, you know, looking at my own uh, cattle one, but then also spending some time with our UW Extension. It's the ag people at, the, at through our university, you know, land grant university. One point four. to 14, depending on how... Yeah. That's a a big difference. And that's a huge difference. Well, Well, these guys were saying 50 acres. Yeah, no one agrees with that. Uh, In certain places, it probably is, though. Well, it could have to be like desert. But wasn't that guy... The guy they said was from Wisconsin, was from South Dakota? Didn't you tell me? Yeah, there was... He made a reference on this. And, you know, I don't want to pick all their numbers apart Well, they're not ranchers. So I think what happens is someone told them that. That sounds great. They went with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and this is, is like... Look, they made a great documentary, but when you make a documentary, you also have a great responsibility. Like, they have an agenda. It's very clear. Their agenda is to promote veganism. Mm -hmm. It's because they feel very strongly about it. Whether you agree with it or whether you don't agree with it, that's their point of view. That's what they're trying to get through in this documentary is that if you just grow vegetables and you live off vegetables, you don't need as many acres. You could feed more people, and it's a healthier way to do it. That's that's just their their perspective and their point of view. So they sort of – they lean towards that in a very strong way. 
while highlighting some irrefutable facts that are very disturbing. And that's that's the shame of it is because, you know, they're environmentalists too, you know, that's yeah. that's obvious. But, you know, it kind of put off the vibe that, you know, people like Doug and I aren't, you know, and that's the problem is, as you look at the big, the big corporations that are, you know, feeding off of all this, you know, misinformation really. And, and the, the big, what do you mean by the big corporations that are well, well, you talk about the big, you know, the big farms. You could talk right. about it in any industry. You know, um, it's kind of a disjointed effort. You know, you got these guys talking about this. You got these guys talking about this. We're all concerned about the environment. You know, but some of this stuff came off as an attack on, you know, beef production, cattle, livestock production. But we all agree on certain things. I think if you really want to focus and you want to make a change in the world. Find a way to work together. Yeah, but their their changes don't eat animals. Oh, I know. Don't kill animals. So you got to compromise. But they don't want to compromise. They're, they're not interested That's a problem. in compromise. Yeah. That's the problem. Well, yeah. it, there's there you, there's very strong connections between veganism and religion, and if you look at a lot of their ideologies, they're very similar in a lot of ways to religious zealots. Like they, they have these ideas, they want to promote them that and only that, and this is this is the way they want to go about it, and. You know, some some of them say crazy shit. Like I've had these conversations with people on Twitter. This guy was saying that human beings are not meant to eat meat. We're we're herbivores. I'm like, well, that's just not fucking true. <laughs> Show your teeth, Doug. <laughs> well, not yeah. only but forget about the canine teeth. That's absolutely true. But how about the fact that scientists have d- done very clear studies on ancient humans, and the reason why we became human in the first place is the consumption of meat. It, yeah. it literally changed the amount of brain tissue we have. And then hunting changed how crafty people had to be. Mm-hmm. It changed the innovation of, of these lower primates, these lower hominids. They, they had to innovate. They had to figure out tools. They had to figure out weapons, not just to defend themselves from humans, but in order to hunt animals. This is, a, this is an irrefutable fact. Essential part of evolution, yeah. It is. So I think, if I could speak for them, if I could play the devil's advocate, their point of view is now we have evolved to a point where we don't need to do this anymore. We don't need meat anymore. We're very intelligent. We're also aware. We're also faced with this overwhelming amount of evidence, this overwhelming amount of information that we have now because of the internet, because of our access to it, we've never had before. So mm-hmm. you can look at some of the statistics and some of the things they brought up and you could say, well, this is their argument for promoting a vegan lifestyle. See, I can go with that. It's the, what what the problem is that a lot of these guys they they say things like human beings can't process meat or we had this guy that uh, Rob Wolf was arguing on Twitter who said uh, animal fat is toxic. Well, what the fuck are you talking about? How do Inuits live? Yeah. How how they've been around forever? <laughs> they just eat nothing but fat. Yeah. These fucking people. And if you look at their diet and you look at what they, their their diseases, the only fucking Inuits that are getting cancer are the ones that are smoking cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It's our, our nasty fucking Western habit that yeah. we've passed up to these poor people. That's how they're getting cancer. And they're getting cancer in, in higher numbers than they ever have before because they weren't getting it before at all. Right. These people were eating blubber and yeah. fat and seals and, and whatever fish they could get. And they can't grow a goddamn single vegetable and they weren't getting cancer. The the cancer thing that's a that's a great issue because recently I don't know if, if you've caught the the whole red meat and cancer thing and they 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 came out and they said you know definitely your smoked meats and your your cured meats like our meats aren't cured you know it's what do you mean by cured let's cured let's talk is, about what you're talking about like um, sodium nitrite yes, like when you make bacon right. like if you took a package of my bacon mm-hmm. and looked at the label I think there's three or four ingredients in mine you look at a what like what are those ingredients um, water 
pork, pork you know, yeah. uh, and uh, it's like celery salt, you know. Right, which is how um, it should be. Yeah. So The problem is your bacon, if you sat on a shelf and Oscar, Oscar Mayer bacon, if you put them both on the same shelf and sat for a week, Oscar Mayer would look the same. Yours would start to fall apart. Mine would need to be frozen. Yeah. You know, that's Which, the only thing. It's fucking normal. Right. Like, why do we yeah. think flesh yeah. is just going to sit stay. around yes. and not um, fall apart at 39 degrees or whatever yeah. your refrigerator is? It's not going to. That's not how it goes. And the, So the cancer thing, and I, and I get that, you know. I mean, that stuff probably is linked to cancer, but they've pulled back on the red meat in general. Mm-hmm. They're not sure about it. But the thing is, and I think the study is skewed because you, you talk about cancer and pH, okay? You know, grass-fed beef has a neutral ph corn fed grain fed beef that ph goes up and and we know that cancer thrives in a acidic environment environment mm-hmm. you know and you know there's other things the the cows that have high acid guts basically is what it is they're more prone to acidosis which which needs more medication you need antibiotics um and it's also a prime harbor for e coli the uh I'll, I'll find a stat for you, but the E. coli, it's, I think it was 6,300,000 um, milligrams per, I'll look that up. I'll, I'll chime okay. back yeah, in. You just, guys talk. I, I, that's that, an that's important. Okay. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Look that up. But um, it's a very important point I think you're making about um, about how these animals that are unhealthy, it's kind of unhealthy to eat an unhealthy animal. That seems logical. That I, is. <laughs> one of the points that uh, I, I found really interesting about about the the documentary was how these guys spoke about um, cattle aren't intended to eat, and I couldn't agree with more. And corn, the, what, that was right. corn and soybeans. Couldn't right. agree with more. That's why mine eat grass, and right. right now they're eating. And hay. yours tastes very different, by the way. You know, you gave me uh, a couple ribeyes last time. I took yeah. them home. They were damn delicious and lean and a, a nice dark red meat. Yeah, and that's how a cow's supposed to be. When you mm-hmm. get these cows, that when you get beef from a store. You're getting this really light red meat. It's very light, almost like a pinkish meat. And you compare that to like like some of the, one of the elk steaks I have mm. in back. Those elk steaks are like a red, yeah. like a dark, almost like a purple. You know, it's just fucking overflowing with testosterone and <laughs> and you know and an elk cum or whatever the hell they got in their bodies. I mean, but, th- that's a healthy animal. Well, that's exactly right. And that animal is choosing to eat. Uh, an elk is choosing – well, it's obviously a product of its environment, so it's eating what's available, just like a white-tailed deer is. I right. remember when uh, when you and Brian were out, and uh, I, I think Brian held up one of the backstrap steaks. Oh, yeah. that we were, and he goes, oh, my God, this is like sashimi-grade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing uh, better. Yeah. Nothing yeah. better. Oh, my God. And, and when we cooked that on your kitchen, <laughs> oh, my God. We just – butter, salt, and garlic – and we, we, we grilled up some of those, and we were all eating them going, good Lord. And yeah. it was from an animal that you shot, what, three hours ago? Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, you talk about fresh. Oh, my God. Um, I do have that count there. It is... Um Remember, he's my numbers guy. Are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> he, brought, he brought Nathan here to know the flight information. What's the hotel room? Yes. What time's the podcast? And I'm starts? going. I'm going to hell with this. I'm, you know, this is fun, Doug. But come on, I've got a family bag. Oh. So this is now we're talking cells per gram of meat. Okay. Okay. So in your grain fed, the count yeah. of E. coli, the grain fed in the count of E. coli, six million three hundred thousand cells per gram. In the grass fed, twenty thousand. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. 
Holy shit. And it's all about the environment that you're creating by what you're putting into this thing. It's unnatural. That is crazy. It's unnatural. That is crazy. Crazy numbers. Um, wow. And so <clears throat> these guys, and, and I, you know what? I'd love to have them come to the farm and talk to me. And just they, I some- don't think they want to be around <laughs> your house of murder. <laughs> Dougie Doug. In house of murder. <laughs> oh, well, tell, take them out around Thanksgiving. Yeah, right around opening right, well, day, and they can we, hear the fucking war zone. We, <laughs> we, we grow the, veggies too, you know. They, where Doug lives, opening day, like in the morning, <laughs> when we were out, in the, we were out in the uh, the blind, and as soon as the sun starts peeking up over the horizon, you hear. <laughs> Boom! Boom! You hear it off in the distance. I'm like, dude, are we at war? <laughs> Why is there a picture of me? That's gross. I got a. I was asleep. I don't know, man. Thing. I kind of like it. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I'm sharing a room with this guy. Yeah. The um, that's that, that was a, a weird experience. It was the first time I'd ever been a play where a play, like when I had gone hunting before. Uh, it had, before that time, it had only been in the wild in Missouri in the breaks where yeah, there was Missouri no people. Breaks, yeah. When we were in your area in Casanova, it's like everybody is so geared up for it. When we stopped at that sporting goods store and got tags and got got some equipment, like everybody was rip raring, roaring, ready to go. Like tomorrow was like the opening day of a race. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, a deer per second opening day in Wisconsin is shot. Jesus Well, that's a testament to how many there are. Well, yeah, we we read a statistic in about Minnesota about how many car accidents are in Minnesota. Was it Michigan? Michigan. Michigan has a hundred thousand car accidents a year Jeez. from people hitting deer. Just stop for a second, ladies and gentlemen, and you tell me you don't think they need to kill some fucking deer. There's a hundred thousand a year. I'm pretty sure that's the number. I should probably like uh, be careful if I keep repeating it over there's and over again. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's deer. more than five <laughs> right. a year. What's the number? Fifty thousand. Damn it! I was so close. Eighty percent of these crashes occur on two lane roads between dusk and dawn. Fifty thousand. What is the amount of uh, animals that uh, kill people? Oh, okay. Here the states two million deer. <gasps> yeah. Two million deer. In one fucking state. How many people are in Michigan? More than maybe, two million, but not a whole 10? lot more. And I think in Wisconsin, cattle out well, number folks. They're dropping by the day with that nine point nine million. Holy shit. That's insane. So they're twenty percent deer. <laughs> <laughs> so what that means is here's the reality. You literally could feed that entire state off the deer population. That's real. Because one deer you can fucking eat a deer for months, and one deer is going to make more than one deer. I think that is a really interesting point, and it kind of goes along with some of my agreement with these guys. Uh, we're not we're subsidizing the dollar meal or whatever, you know, the dollar hamburger and and uh, and that kind of like quick meat. You drive through, you get the burger, and off you go. Yeah, um, I'm not. What I would advocate for is that. I'm okay with eating less meat. Uh, they had Michael Pollan on oh, it. Yeah. He talked mm-hmm. about eating yeah. less meat based mm-hmm. on the numbers that they were using, which I think was like it was. was it was. I think it was zero point six something. I think is what they said on the movie. So like a half a half a pound of meat a day. Well, it was more than that. It was zero point six something. I or believe. What you're so you're talking. To eat? No, that's what, what the, that's what the average American eats every day. That's it. 
I would well, think I mean, that's like more than that, but sure. Yeah, I balance that shit out. But <laughs> <laughs> you bring the average up. Well, you got to think about the guys. You know, we've all seen these guys, you know, Charlie Chicken Fingers and Slobber McGee, you know, right. eating fast Charlie food. Chicken every, Fingers and, and you, You've seen these guys eat, right? You know, you're like, watch out, you're going to eat your finger, dude. Like, yeah. Slow down. Well, and, and people that's are what addicted we're, to food, man. That's, that's, what we're, that's a fact. That's what we're dealing with because the, the real sickness isn't the that we're raising meat, it's the demand. Mm-hmm. You know, so farmers are rising to meet that demand and people aren't demanding good meat. They're demanding shitty cheap meat that they can buy for 99 cents. Well, I you think know? one of the things that these folks were addressing in that documentary that I think didn't get to the heart of it all, but the, the heart of it all really is the amount of human beings. The, the only reason why, like, if there was only, if, if Casanova was the world... You wouldn't need a fucking factory farm. You sure wouldn't. You wouldn't need it. No. I mean, well, Casanova is essentially a sustainable environment. Yeah. All you need is some solar power, some windmills for electricity. You got your own spring. You got yep. your water you can get from a well. You got your cattle that graze. You have more than enough food for you. Yep. You could grow your own yeah. vegetables. You can what did. you don't have in the winter, you know, or what, yep. you don't, you know, what, what you want to last through the winter, and you're good. Yeah. But the, we have too many goddamn people. Right. Well, isn't that that often comes down to people keep fucking and that's kind of what fucking is fun. <laughs> that's oh, right. I'm a fan of it. When are we going home? <laughs> What's, can we get an early <laughs> flight tomorrow? Me too, man. <laughs> well, I have three kids, so I should shut the fuck up because I'm, I'm obviously making more people than I am. Are what they all boys? Are they all no, boys? All girls, man. They're See, gonna, my, they're my make best a friend Gatlin, he he's got five boys. If I've, it's one thing to have five kids, but to have them all be boys, that's like, you're Tom talking factories. exponential. They're just going to fucking know. shoot jizz all through all the, all the land and make more boys. Well, the cool thing is, and Doug and I have been talking about this, and he, and he mentioned earlier, like, we're sitting here talking about this really interesting stuff because we don't want to come off on this podcast as a bunch of, you know, knuckle-dragging mouth breather, ooh, mouth well, you, breathers. You're definitely not. Meat. You're definitely not. So, but we're, we're talking so about this. So let's be careful. We're, we're, <laughs> so settle down, fucker. We're, we're talking about all this stuff in the middle of L.A. where you got right. a guy dressed like Spider-Man and all these yeah. these women wearing, you know. Well, by the way, that's why we're way out here in the suburbs. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be around that. Yeah. But that's we, not a good Well, place. thank you for putting us down there, though. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, well, yeah, we've had a great time doing this. Oh, yeah, there, right? yeah, no, yeah, no, it's perfect. Well, it's a good but, place to, you know, just to come in and watch. People watch, yeah. yeah. But one thing we've been we've been talking about a lot of a lot of awesome people and really digging deeper into this. But there's guys like you know Doug can expand on this more because he's read more of the book. But this guy Mark Shepard and other guys, I mean, people contend that that we can raise enough food sustainably. But part of that equation is, you know, and and that's what maybe we could unify with these guys, like guys from Cowspiracy, is you know, let's not talk about ending meat. That's an unachievable goal. That's never going to happen. Let's talk about educating people. Say, hey. Let's not eat quite so much so we can sustain, you know? Okay, but just p- to play devil's advocate, because yeah. a lot of these guys are, they're, they love of animals. They love animals. They're animal lovers. They, 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 it's almost like... Yeah, so are we. But they, they, they do it in a way where they don't want animals to die. They want those animals to die of old age only. Um, <laughs> the, the problem, I think, there's, there's an ideology attached to veganism where yeah. once they stop eating meat, they want everybody else to stop too. Well, you're talking about 95% of the world that eats meat. It's 95%, something crazy like that. Yeah. P- please always check my numbers, James. <laughs> <laughs> off by 100%. Did you have the day off to those guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, 
that why if if these guys this is to play devil's advocate if these guys can stop eating meat and become vegans why can't the world and i think that's what a lot of people are saying well other things i would agree with with them have a garden yes yeah grow some food on your balcony in the city yeah, well, no, and, we have a couple of mutual friends who are growing stuff on their balcony in New weak, York though. City. That's different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. One thing I noticed it, in that I movie it, you know. was dude's hydroponic system on the rooftop was empty. Yes. My yeah. hydroponic system at home is plumb full. The guys. Yes. You know, well, picked up it's, it's right kind of fucked up. Like, you know, yeah. and, and we're not here to throw punches. Well, right? they could have just you know. started it and just yeah, set well, it go up buy and, some plants and put them in there for heaven's sake. One of my favorite you know? stories is these former uh, FBI agents who were uh, retired and they were arrested because they were growing hydroponic plants and vegetables in their basement. And you know, the DEA passes by houses and they scan. These people mm-hmm. bought Hopefully. hydroponic equipment. When you buy hydroponic equipment, they flag you and they follow you it's so fucking insane that growing vegetables has become a crime because so many people grow pot they assume that if you're growing a plant with some sort of a plant system that you must be growing an illegal drug so with no evidence whatsoever two fucking former fbi agents they break down their door guns a blazing and they arrest these people and then find out they're fucking growing tomatoes yeah that's it's kind of a hot button deal going on in reedsburg right now where my hometown (laughs) yeah um, uh, my buddy Gatlin, I already mentioned him, but he's got a he on a whim. I mean, this dude is a he's a successful appraiser, real estate appraiser, but he's always looking for that home run, you know. So he's making a living, but he's taking his cuts. And so now his latest venture, he took his whole tax return and just turned his this this building that he couldn't lease into a hydroponic wonderland and for weed. No. Well, when it comes legal, he's going to be ready to rock and roll. Oh, and he wants to do CBD oil extraction. I mean, you know, he's... Well, the government's going after that now. Right. So, but you get these people walking by and we got these purple lights and mm-hmm. people are, what are they growing in there? You know, and, and everybody's... And, and everybody thinks we're growing weed. And it's like, if we we're growing weed, the cops would have the door kicked down two weeks well, ago. Maybe they should put a you sign. Know? We're not growing weed, you right. fucks. Well, Let's he just needs to get the... a sign up. That is a sign yeah. that it's, you should put it's up called, uh, yeah. it, It's called Grow Lucky. You can Google it. I think it's GrowLuckyGreens.com. It's all pretty new, but... I would definitely assume that guy knows and, where the weed is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Grow Lucky Greens. Yeah. With that name? Yeah. Oh, how lucky can I get? <laughs> how much uh, for an ounce of your lucky shit, man? Let's talk about this downstairs. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Come to the special room. Yeah. That, anyway, that idea of, of, of growing the garden and people taking responsibility for their food, um, you know, is such a big deal. And, and those, uh, the fellows that you had in here, um, that's... You know where I'm. I'm joining at the hip with him about. Yeah, that. I think we're all we're all in agreement with that. And there's a guy named Ron Finley that I had on before who was awesome, and he's a proponent of urban gardening. And what he does is he takes medians, like you know that you just see grass and yep. bullshit in in L.A. Genius. And he yeah, he genius grows stuff. plants in them. He grows vegetables and foods, and he does it in uh, abandoned lots. He'll he'll set up gardens in abandoned lots, and he does it all throughout South Central. And he has people that live in these communities growing their own food. And he had this amazing point that I never considered before. He's like, you drive down this street and you see bushes, you see trees, you see all these plants, and you can't eat none of it. Yeah. He goes, we're wasting water on shit we can't even eat. He goes, you could have food growing in the same places you have all of these trees. Why don't we do that? And I was sitting there going, why don't we do that? Yeah. Like an we'll talk orange about lawns, tree. lawns, too. Lawns. Fuck yeah, right? An orange tree looks great. Well, that's exactly oh. right. That's exactly right. Aesthetically pe- pleasing yeah. on top of it all. This yeah. food. You got to get them some of these pictures. They food. Get, 
this guy, uh, Mark Shepard, who's from our area, and, and, and he doesn't know me from The Man on the Moon. But This is his book, Restoration, Restoration Agriculture. Restoration Agriculture, uh, real-world per- permaculture for uh, Look it farmers. up. It's... Uh, aerial photographs of his farm. Artwork. And, and, it, and it looks, exactly, it looks like a landscape architect was involved. Um, layering of plants, starting with the tallest trees down to annuals eventually. Um, at the same time, he's pasturing through their um, three and four different kinds of animals. Um, they're cleaning up the, the uh, they're cleaning up the nuts that uh, they didn't, you know, they didn't harvest. Which is very important enough. to clean your nuts. That's what um, I'm saying. Bar none. Most important. Uh, Unless you're in a weird shit. <laughs> Some people like dirty things. It's <laughs> where you get minerals. All right. <laughs> Nut butter? Right. Dirt. Whoa, is this his stuff? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So check that out. That's amazing. Isn't that cool? That's gorgeous. And so this is, uh, it says New Forest, Forest Farm. Farm, Mark Shepard, Permaculture what does it say? Uh, there's a, the words abbreviated there. Permacultural a pu- 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 pu. apprenticeship program. Okay. I think he does classes and stuff. Oh, right? oh, that's cool. And the amount of food he can pull off that, Joe. And that's and and they graze that then. So and, and he talks about what do you mean uh, cows graze that? Yeah, they and and pigs and chickens. Um, so oh, so there's and, grass in between. So he says, and, he, and maybe Doug can find this, but I've got it. The amount of food he can grow on there, and he talks about just how many vegetables. He's like, but if you're only growing vegetables, you're gonna have to mow this stuff. Mm. So it makes sense to it's a, and that's the whole thing. You got to complete the loop. You got to complete the cycle. You got to close that loop and and find that e- ecological harmony. That's the well, that's two, the whole thing. Two photos ago, Jamie, don't go through those so quick. Right there, bam, make that bigger. Whoa, what's the, he's got little ponds in there too. Yeah, and so yeah. the cattle graze in the grass area, and then in between the grass, he's got trees that grow food. Wow, that's beautiful too. And then Look he brings pigs and uh, chickens through. And this is near you. Yeah, Viroqua. not far away. It's, uh, uh, Viola or yeah, Viroqua? Viroqua. Now so, go to it now. It's a big fucking ice skating rink. Yeah. Frozen tundra. Yeah, let's go, his, let's his go in po- June. His point being that when we grow one crop on a farm field, corn, soybeans, organic or otherwise, or uh, vegetables, um, that sort of thing, that in our area in the winter, then that's a desert. I mean, once the corner, once the beans come off, that's what it is. I mean, you saw it. The deer come out into the field and they eat a little bit of the stuff and, you know, and all that. And guys will pasture out on that. But it really does become, a, it, you know, it's sort of that one-trick pony, which to a certain degree, vegetable gardening will be as well, although you can rotate crops through. Um, but like on my place, we're growing livestock. We're enriching the soil. We're, um, we're, our pasture is getting better all the time because we're not over-pasturing in any particular place. Um, there's carbon sequestering going on. What's uh, that mean? Carbon sequestering. Uh, Locking up the carbon in the soil. So like um, with composting and things along those lines? Yeah, there's, there's people the that CO2 can out of the atmosphere. contend that, that cattle and proper management in the pasture rotation, that they can start to turn back the, the climate change. You know, it's How would that by, work? By sequestering the carbon, starting to pull it, pull it out. And, and we're, when we till... You know, the constant tillage is, that's that's one of the, you know, that's a no-no. You, you know, a lot of no-tilling, a lot of rotational grazing, that's that's up and up. I mean, that's where we need to be. Multiple benefits from one action. So I'm pasturing, and you saw some of the pastures, some of the places where you hunted, it was pasturing. There's wildlife in there, and mm-hmm. we've got good, clean water. When we uh, went to a point on our farm where we weren't over-pasturing, and it was just something that we... You know, we sort of learned the streams were real wide um, when we were over pasturing. They were they were really wide. 
Uh, the water was shallow and it was warm, no trout. As time has gone by and we weren't overpasturing anymore, those streams narrow up because it's running water that's going to cut that and, and those, it starts to fill in, the grass starts to grow. Now, you stepped across a creek that you used to have to walk through. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's trout in there now. Um, the cattle are going in there and they're eating a certain amount of the grass. Um, we keep them, you know, we keep moving them through. Uh, they're eating a certain amount of the grass. They're keeping some of the invasive species down. Uh, deer are still living in there. Songbirds are still living there. Game birds are still living in there. All of those things are happening, and the uh, plants themselves are pulling the CO2, you know, the whole photosynthetic process, pulling that out and putting it back into the ground where it belongs uh, it, to counteract some of that. So, gee, I think I'm getting like three or four different positive results from having uh, pasture, uh, you know, hickory orchard with some bigger trees and that sort of thing. This dude with permaculture starts to add multiple other things, layers of, so if you think about an acre of land like this table, and if you're growing one crop on it, one vegetable crop, you've got an acre of land, 43,560 square feet of that particular vegetable or those groups of vegetables. But with the idea of permaculture, <clears throat> you have uh, your upper layers, trees, big trees, you know, big uh, oak trees and, uh, uh, you know, you might, you might have hickory for hickory nuts and that sort of thing. So Bush growing, type things and yeah, you berries. Might, uh, well, to begin with, the, with the, that upper level. So on that same, you know, chunk of ground, you've got this large tree. It's producing wood, which this looks like a good oak table here that we're leaning on. You know, it's the same sort of thing. The next layer is the smaller trees like, apple, you know, fruit trees and that sort of thing. Below that, below that are, are shrubs that are going to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, service berry, um, chokeberry, aronia, um, some of the, some of the uh, antioxidant producing uh, uh, fruits. Um, and then you go down to the next layer, which is going to be things like asparagus and rhubarb. And it keep coming down. So now instead of just that one plane of of plants growing, you've got on that same acre, you've just grown multiple acres of food. And that is just something that needs to be, you know, thought about in the bigger thing. He's then rotating through four different kinds of animals. He's running beef through it. Um, and they're not in there all the time because so it takes management. Um, after beef, he's run, and it's called a leader follower grazing system. Um, after beef, he's running pigs through it. Because pigs are a great cleanup animal. Um, after that comes turkeys, and turkeys are cleaning up the grubs and the yep. whatnot in the shit from the from the cows and the, and the uh, pigs. Um, he runs sheep in it, and last might be chickens. So the intensity the, the intensity of of management is incredible, and the amount of uh, layers of food that are coming off of that, and then layers of acreage. Well, so suddenly we're getting, you know, in his scenario i'm getting three or four benefits out of it he's still getting all that carbon sequestering yeah. and all that um but now he's built that up to 10 or 12 different positive results from the same thing and one of them is from a wildlife perspective which is one of the things that gets talked about all the time you grow a, you have you garden at home i garden at home what's the one thing that every garden that has wildlife around it has a fence <laughs> if you're going to grow vegetables for uh profit or for fun and put your effort into it, you can put a you can put a fence around it. You're going to exclude wildlife from that. Exactly. Well, and that's one of the main contentions we had when we sat down. We're like, okay, this is going to be tough. These guys 
put forth a, a really good narrative and had some really irrefutable facts. But and one of the things we, we talked about the water, talked about the acreage, but the wildlife thing. One thing that they said was, and where these livestock are are living, that is that is area void of wildlife. I mean, I look at my pasture from the soil microbes and the worms to the bugs and butterflies to the you know field mice and moles and we've got hawks and we've i mean we see a badger and a fox i mean that's wildlife you yeah, know it's they, a, they had a very idealistic point of view they yeah, didn't understand it, wolves they didn't understand yeah, the management yeah. of wolves they didn't understand the, the the reason why they're starting to open up hunting seasons on wolves they also didn't know that Idaho is one of the most wildlife-rich places in the country where people go and hunt elk and mule deer. I mean, Idaho is fucking filled with animals. And they yeah. thought that Idaho is like, you know, it's all farms now. It's devoid of – they just – it's an idealized sort of hippie vegan approach, which, you know, they're just leaning towards that. It doesn't matter – doesn't mean they don't have great points. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. No, that's what we're saying. Yeah. You yeah. Know, that was, it was a tough – it was a tough <clears> – <throat> tough thing to do you know to, to come out and and be a counterpoint for well, something that you I, agree with I a lot of what their main bone and i think a lot of people i mean it's it's the factory farming thing what we're talking about here i don't think it's sustainable for the population of los angeles and what you're talking about here with this kind of a farm man you would need a giant fucking farm like that to feed Los Angeles, or a lot of them, a lot of yeah, smaller a lot farms. Of small oh, low, but you would mean so many of them. I don't know how much they produce in if you compared in comparison to one of these gigantic factory farms. Well, and you know, and I'm not. I, I don't know. I'm right? not, well, my number guy isn't going to have those numbers either. Well, no but, one is. I mean, and right. this is the thing. You know, we can keep going deeper and deeper with this because people can say, well, hey, you know, it's sustainable in Casanova. Okay, well, is this sustainable in Wisconsin? Yes. Is it sustainable on the entire eastern side of the country? Yeah. Not really. Okay. Well, is it, what about what if we can get the United States sustainable? Well, we still got India. Well, we're fucked. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, you got a billion people living in a place a third the size of the United States. What, what do you do then? Yeah. Might, those numbers might be wrong. The, 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 big, <laughs> the big thing here is, and the bigger conversation, I think, is, is and, and that's something that, gosh, people that care should really, you know, shove veganism and, and you know, meat eating aside and just, mm -hmm. let's say, how do, we, how do we make this work? You know, and I think it's education. I think people need to, to understand that you, you, you can't just go around eating, eating meat, you know, you know, Charlie's chicken fingers. You can't be doing that. You got to have a balanced diet, and you, you can't be eating pounds of meat a day. You well, know, for, that's what for we're health. You know, you you probably shouldn't overeat. I think we all agree. Overeat on that. anything. But this is um, this is a different subject. I think we're talking about. We're talking about sustainability, and we're talking about <clears throat> feeding gigantic swaths of people. Yeah, and that's what these factory farms have set up. I mean, through the method of uh, collecting nitrogen from the oxygen. I mean, what, what from the air. That the Haber method that they invented in like the early 1900s, that's how they figured out how to extract nitrogen. And because of that, a gigantic population boom ensued. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the reason why there's so many people in the world today. This is widely accredited with the Haber method of collecting nitrogen. Because before that, it was really difficult to fertilize soil. Once they figured out to how to extract nitrogen from the actual air itself, things got a little easier to grow food. And the population boomed. And that's part of what we're dealing with here. What we're dealing with here is kind of um, in, uh, you know, when we talk about wildlife, we're talking about the 50,000 car accidents that are in Michigan every year alone because of the overabundance of deer. 
this is sort of what we're talking about with human beings. We have an overabundance of human beings. Now, obviously, I'm not suggesting we have massive hunts on humans. <laughs> so thin the herd? Thin the herd. <laughs> but we would, if we were some sort of an alien, and we looked at, okay, look at, let's put it this way. If chimpanzees were overrunning Chicago, like somehow or another, chimpanzees like figured out how to get to Chicago, uh, they fucking swang from tree to tree, and they moved in and started started setting up shop and overrunning the place apart where people were getting in car accidents with chimps, and uh, would we kill them? That would uh, be very yeah. tricky. I don't think we would, because chimps are way fucking smarter than deer, and we like right. smart shit. Yeah. So we wouldn't kill chimps the way we would kill deer. So people obviously are smarter than... Most people are smarter than chimps. I know some people that probably aren't smarter than chimps, but... When it gets to intelligent animals, that's when we get weird. Like, nobody gives a fuck if you kill a bug, okay? If mosquitoes contain Zitka virus and malaria and all this different shit, you can kill mosquitoes all goddamn day long. Mm. And for whatever reason, nobody gives a fuck about mosquitoes. Because we've all agreed that mosquitoes are the enemy, right? Mosquitoes contain malaria. Malaria has killed, this is a number I know is real, malaria has killed 50% of all the people that have died ever. How about that? Wow. Say 50, that again. Fifty percent of all the human beings that have died ever in the history of people have died from malaria. <laughs> How that's, about them apples? Yeah, well, that's, that's a, a that's a thing. That's, 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 that's some real thing, shit yeah. because I've been fascinated with malaria for years. I've, been, I've read a lot of shit on malaria, and I've had two friends that got malaria, including Justin Wren, our friend who was in here recently, who fights this weekend on Bellator. Good luck to my friend Justin. He's the best. This guy is fucking... You want to talk about an amazing human being? This guy, uh, he gave up like years of his life to go to the Congo and dig wells for these mm. people, these pygmies in the Congo. He's just the salt of the earth, like the nicest guy ever. But he got malaria. He's doing that. And almost died. Um, so nobody gives a fuck if you yeah. kill mosquitoes. Well, we That's my point. You know, you could swat flies. Vegans will swat a fucking mosquito, right? You know, you don't go, please, namaste, enjoy my blood. <laughs> it's the blood of a carrot eater. No. That you fucking, matter, yeah. you slap that fucker down, but there's there's a certain level. Like, okay, if, a, if an ant is on your food, a lot of times a vegan will kill that ant, and what do you do with the body? You throw it to the ground, you ignore it because it's little. But don't you don't, you just fucking kill an ant in my house, and if you went like that and brushed it off, I wouldn't say a word. I'd be like, Doug's doing some acceptable behavior. <laughs> <laughs> he killed an ant that's on his pants, and he dropped it on the ground. But if a mouse ran across my kitchen, and you stomped it, and then ignored it, I'd be like, hey, fucker, <laughs> what is this fucking Finish the job. Finish the job. Guts and hair you've left. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's a weird hierarchy well, of living things. And, and, and the line is clearly, I mean, one of the lines is fellow mammals. Yes. Uh, yep. Um. And you know, I, I don't even know what to say about about that. But um, but not rats. Fuck rats. Right. <laughs> rats have the black plague and all kinds of. Nobody gives a shit if you fucking kill a rat in your garage. If you if you're so hardcore, you're not into killing rats. I got a great rat story. I want to hear a rat story. I was living in the hills <clears throat> and uh, I rented this house and I had a real rat problem to the point where I'd hear them banging around in, inside the rafters. They're big, man. Like, the, the hills around Los Angeles, Los Angeles is a very strange place because you have this city, and then you have just outside the city pretty abundant wildlife, including coyotes, a lot of hawks, and a lot of crazy shit. But this uh, place that I lived had a rat problem, so I set out a rat trap, 
and uh, I killed this fucking big ass rat, like as big as my laptop. It was huge, man. It was uh, no bullshit. The like a body. snap trap. Yeah, the, yeah, big fucker. Where you got to be real careful when you set <laughs> it. it like, take a finger off. Yeah. Yes, it'd definitely break one, right? Um, I set it out, and I, and I heard it in my kitchen. I'll whack. You know, I'm like, oh shit, I got one. And I went out there and I looked, and it's this big fucking like fat boy rat. I was like, oh jeez, look at the size of that thing. So I said, okay, in the morning I'll get up and I'll kill, I'll put that thing in the garbage and whatever and deal with it. I went to sleep. I got up in the morning and that fucker was gone. They ate him down to almost nothing. All that was left is the tail. So rats apparently don't even like rat tail. But they had eaten <laughs> most of his body. The f- rats had cannibalized most of his of body. That's why we say fuck rats. Yeah, and if you see one rat, you got a dozen. Oh, it leave. <laughs> Yeah. My fl- my house was overrun with them. It was really bad. Oh. Yeah, it was real bad, man. It was like huh. one of the first places I lived when I lived out here. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Because I, I, before that, I lived in New York and in New Rochelle and um, my area. Although New York City has a huge rat problem. New oh. York City's rat problem is crazy. I parked my car once. This is back in the days of phones, uh, uh, pay phones. I didn't have a cell phone. I parked my car at this gas station. I was getting some gas, and I walked over to the pay phone. And as I'm on the phone, I saw three rats jump up in my wheel wells, climb up over my tires. Three big fat rats. Like this place was overrun with rats. Uh, they were looking they, to move or something. They, they say that if you see one rat, I don't know. I maybe check the numbers, but if you see one. I, I don't know if it's a hundred or a, there's a hundred or a thousand, something like that. Let's if you say see fifty one, million. Let's yeah, get if you crazy. see one, there's fifty million around. You know, <laughs> well, it's, watch out. Way well, more than the you pizza want. rat. Have you seen this New York City pizza rat? No. Is <laughs> uh, a rat taking You're pizza just home in for New York? This yeah. <laughs> well, this is this is cool. But here's something that uh, a lot of people don't know: rats are hunters. Um, why don't you, Jamie, pull up "Rat Kills Pigeon"? Because there's not just one video of these. There's many videos of rats in New York City attacking and killing pigeons. iPhone videos. It's just fucking bizarre. I had no idea. I had no idea they were predators. Oh. Did you? Well, no. Watch no this. I, well, look at this. Not, oh, look. Not a... Fucking rat is jacking this pigeon. And the pigeon gets away and like almost, almost gets free. What's going on here? It's like they're a little laying prey. So the, this rat has this pigeon by the neck. See, this is, this is a different one than I saw. The one I saw, the pigeon gets away. It's like near stairs. And, oh, yeah, here it is. The pigeon tries to get away, and the rat chases it down. Look at this. Because he's already winged him. Yep. Yeah. But look at this. The rat chases a living pigeon. Well, look at how the camera guy doesn't want to. He's like, not getting too close. Guy walking around with his iPhone. I know what I'm going to do today. Is, but I would video are. that too, you know. Oh, why wouldn't so, you? Oh, fuck What else yeah. are you going to do? But I had no idea. Did you know that rats were predators? No, I, you know. Uh, Opportunists, maybe. But, but yeah, this is a predator. Thing. It's yeah, chasing down oh, yeah. an animal. Yeah, no. Um, always a, a problem with, you know, when you had grain around. Look, he had, look how strong he is. Yeah. He just jumped that fucking curb with that thing in its mouth like it was nothing. <laughs> there was one point he stood up on his hind legs with yeah. it in his mouth. Yeah. Fucking monsters. Yeah. We're so lucky they're little. Imagine if a rat was the size of a deer. Oh. Oh, look, there it goes again. He still tries to get away, and he's on it. Ooh, he's got its back. That's good he's technique. Got the hooks in. Look Joe, at the is hooks. that good technique? That's very good. Look at the, the back leg. See how he's controlling? Very good technique. Oh, my God. Jiu-jitsu. <laughs> Jiu-jitsu. I, I had to okay. mention something like that, because oh the only way my, my grandpa knows who I'm talking to is the fight guy. Yeah. That's how I explain yeah. it to my grandpa. 
Your grandpa likes watching fights. Loves it. Loves the UFC. Like I said, he's the only guy in the nursing home that watched. Wow. 90, 93, going on 94. Fre- freaking out all the other people. <laughs> Stop the fight! <laughs> yeah, so... It uh, looks like that's it. Rats are creeps. Wow. See, now, if you ca- caught that rat in a trap, nobody would get mad at you. But if you, uh, you shoot a bear, they'll fucking protest. Go so ahead. I have a, a different story for you. Uh, uh, had a house up in, uh, in Door County, an old farmhouse, and no one lived in it for a long time. And we had rats in that house. But the other thing that we had in that house were snakes. And uh, my, uh, Sounds my, nasty. Daughter's, my daughter's mother uh, didn't like snakes at all. She opened up the back door of the place one time, and it was, uh, I don't know, I guess it was a fox snake because it was a big-ass snake. And it's like Whoa. like knocking on the door, trying to get, you know, there was a spot where they could get in. When we started to remodel the place... Taking, you know, we put some uh, beams up, and we were taking some interior walls down. Snake skins. Oh, jeez! Oh, Inside and, the wall. <laughs> I would. She's just probably if she's listening to this, she's hearing that for the first time. Oh, <laughs> because you didn't I didn't tell, tell her? her, man. She wasn't there. Oh wow! <laughs> Snake skin. Oh. They're like three feet long. You know where they molted or whatever the word is. For Snake them. farm dung. Yes. Oh man! But those aren't predators, right? I mean, those aren't. Um, uh, uh, well, they're predators well, on yeah. mice, and, right. and ra- they're probably in there for the rats. And, it's probably yeah. good to yeah. have them. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing Circle about life. Like in my in my neighborhood, I see hawks all the time, and they're the ones that keep the population of rodents down. Yeah, you see them all the time, man. They're fucking beautiful. As do in our area. This is a real a thing that I struggle with a little bit. Is uh, coyotes? Mm-hmm. Um, what do coyote, people do coyote hunting around me? And uh, I mean, we were talking about wolves before. And uh, I mean, I'm not physically, you know, I'm not worried about coyotes like taking us down or anything right. like that. And I have this, in fact, talked to Giannis Patelis about it. And he, his response to me talking about allowing coyote hunting on our place was he goes, oh, man, I just think they're trying to make a living, too. And, hmm. you know, they eat a lot of rodents. They clean up a lot of uh, the weak and the, and the old of, of deer and that sort of thing. But um, my buddy uh, Greg, who you may or uh, Greg Kiefer, who you may or man, I'm a big dude. Steve talks about him all the time. Mm-hmm. Recently, had a deer run into his yard by a pack of coyotes, Whoa. and they took it down and killed it in his yard. Whoa! It was a, a deer that had been wounded during the gun. Uh, well, we assume the gun season. It had a big scar in the back of its neck. I suppose it could have been a you know an arrow that had cut it or something like that. So it was weak or whatever. And, uh, yeah, in the middle of the night, this went down in the middle of the night. He went out there because I couldn't believe it. Never well, seen anything How like many it. coyotes? Well, based on – he didn't see how many, but it was – you know, they, they work in groups of two or three or four or five. Um, so they right, – I mean, right – You know, I have a chicken coop in my yard, and uh, I went out in the middle of the night to uh, shut the coop because I let the chickens out, and they wander around, and then I close the coop. And uh, when I closed the coop, I was just outside enjoying the peace, looking up at the stars – and I heard these deer running, like running full clip. And then something was chasing after them, full clip. But it was dark, and my eyes hadn't adjusted. So I was trying to figure out what the fuck was happening. But these deer were running, and this something was chasing them. Mountain and I lion? saw – I don't think so. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was a coyote, but it could have been a mountain lion. But I saw, uh, I saw what looked like the silhouette of a coyote on the top of this hill. 
And I was like, this is so wild. Like, like yeah. here's a house here, and this fucking asshole over here is watching The Bachelorette. <laughs> and, like, in it's, inside, you know, this guy pulls into his driveway, his Mercedes, he's smoking his e-cigarette, and some fucking tooth and claw shit is going on right <laughs> yes. there. Right there, these coyotes are chasing down these deer. Yeah. Because there's, uh, there's a series of oak trees down the street from my house where these deer tend to bed. I see them there all the time, and there's, like, probably, like, five or six of them, and... But, uh, you know, you'll see coyotes, especially come when spring, you know, like when the, the fawns are being born. You'll see these fuckers hanging around just looking for an easy meal. You know, guys who raise uh, cattle around me will talk about, and, and I don't know, Nathan, if you know anything about this, but I, I, to my knowledge, I've never had a calf taken by, a, by coyotes or anything like that. I have had a calf that was born and died. You know, it was stillborn or something yeah. that wasn't there the next day. So coyotes took it. But yeah. the cow abandoned it, too. Right. The one thing you do not want to mess with is a 1,450-pound Hereford cow who just yeah. had a calf. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine. She is not going to let you near that calf. Ugh, get kicked I, by a cow? Oh. I've only had pigs and chickens taken. And that's only when the dogs, like, we forget and leave the dogs in for the night. A piglet or an actual whole pig? Piglet. Piglet. A, a, a full-grown pig would probably, especially if there's more than one, I'm sure they'd take care of themselves. They're, They're vicious. So big. I got bit fight. by one of my pigs. I mean, if I were to fall down in my pig pen. You'd be fucked. Right? I, and if I were, couldn't get up, yeah. I mean, I'd, I, there, my wife would come home and there'd be nothing left of me. Yeah. Three, four pigs would have me done. Yeah, that's real. That's real. Yeah. No. Yeah. It, it, they, well, that's the number one. Here's more statistics. <laughs> that's the, <laughs> that's He's the your number, number guy. The He's number one is that the animal. other 50% of people that have died? It's another one, number one animal that kills people on farms. Really? Pigs. Yeah. People fall. like, like Sometimes pig? like an old farmer will have a heart attack and fall into the pig's tie, and they just oh, yeah. gobble them up. I, I, for the first time, I actually saw one up. of my pigs eat a chicken. Please, please Google that. I, wa- I, I couldn't save the chicken in time, so I was like, what am I going to do? I don't want to save a half-mangled chicken. You know, so yeah. I let them finish it, but they they systematically cornered the thing, and I'm running over to try to, and then it was over. It was too late. I had late. a coyote take a chicken from my yard. I watched it hop the fence, but it's in its mouth. It was crazy, and I was gonna kill the fucker, but then uh, I realized it was a female, and then it had it had cubs. Like a lot of the yiping and hollering that you hear, yeah. like like people think there's a lot of misconceptions about coyotes, and one of them is that when you ever hear that, that there's like some sort of a, a party. And oh, like, yeah. yeah, a lot of it is a mother communicating with her young. Yeah. And uh, I was pretty sure that this was ha- what happened because my dog had let this female near um, the chickens. Like the dog had like sort of like aided and abetted this coyote killing this um, this chicken. And then I realized like, oh, this is a female that has babies. And yeah. so, so that's where your soft spot yeah. was then. Yeah, I'm a pussy. When yeah. you hear that sound though, I mean when my wife first moved down to our farm, I mean it sounds like there are – a pack of children being murdered. Yeah, I mean, it is just, it's and weird. in a still night, like out where we are, it's, and it just resonates. That's good. That's <laughs> weird. That's what you I hear, a, right? I have a relatively new friend out in uh, Washington who has actually been emailing me and asking me for advice about um, coyotes, trapping coyotes. Do you know anything about trapping coyotes? Talk to Ranella. He re- recommends subsonic 22s. Yeah. One of, uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah a I'm more a fan of shooting them than, than trapping. Wildlife ecologists I know in Wisconsin, uh, when people would start to talk to them, talk to them about, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get rid of this animal or, you know, whatever, have you make a, a woodchuck or something like mm-hmm. that, he would always recommend a small piece of lead at a very high velocity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, what a buddy of mine does. He sets out cat food. He puts cat food. He uses these coyotes that were targeting his dogs. So he would set out plates of cat food and sit on his balcony and just wait. 
Yeah, and you can uh, call them in too. Yeah, you can call them in with predator calls. But that you, could, you might call in some other shit too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> depends Around on where these you parts, are. man. We were we were talking about this yesterday that they um, they just did this study of all these different mountain lions that they've killed. Here's some more numbers. I think they killed like a hundred mountain lions in the San Francisco area, the Northern California area, and uh, out of these mountain lions that they killed. Most of them had cats and dogs in their bodies. Oh yeah, that's and a big finding thing. out that this is what these things are eating. Only five percent of them had deer in their body. Well, it's, it's crazy. It's easy, easier. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's bizarre. I mean, they're 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 targeting people's pets. I mean, that's that's their food. Right. It's fucking in, weird, man. In Madison, Wisconsin, where I live, on the edges of town, uh, that's and and we actually live th- uh, near two parks. We have coyotes, and. Yeah, there's a certain group of folks who are like, well, you know, they're just out there trying to make a living too. Until you know, One of them mittens, kills a cat. mittens and Fifi get eaten, yeah. then we've got a then we've got a little situation we have to deal with. Yeah, yeah make up a, a story for the kids at that. It's a bizarre thing to see your cat in the jaws of a coyote as it's running away. You know, there's uh, uh, the L.A. Uh, Museum of Natural History has this really cool exhibit on North American animals, and their exhibit I pull I had a picture of it on my Instagram, Jamie, of the coyote. Their exhibit of the coyote in Los Angeles is a coyote with a fucking cat in its mouth. That's in the Museum of Natural History yeah, in Los that's... Angeles. The actual, you know, they have stuffed animals. They have buffalo. Sure. They show moose. And they have these, you know, so you can get to see, oh, that's what that one of those looks like. Yeah. Well, they have these displays, these stuffed animals. So the coyote has a fucking cat in its mouth, and it's on someone's porch. Bring that home. Look at this. That's, that's in the natural history. That's the museum. Fucking cat, dead cat. And my kids were like this. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, um, daddy. Well, honey. It's the only fucking animal that's killing something in the entire museum. This is the animal that's killing. Um, there might have been a couple For a minute there, I thought that was the notes from the, 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 the uh, museum. And then I realized it, it was it you had written. That, yeah, see, wait, but, really? They're saying fucker? In yeah, the look, history <laughs> no, but look what these people are saying. Look at this guy. My cat was just killed by one of these fuckers, you know? I'll yeah. shoot a coyote for no reason Fuck other than it's a coyote. Fuck a coyote. Yeah, and they're right, man. Those are little little creepers. Little creepers. Look at this. Uh, what does it say? I'd Swine likely kill fewer people than cattle do, but there's no reliable data. Hmm. 20 people a year killed by cattle, it said. Whoa. Um, find out how many people are killed by pigs. I couldn't find any but one story recently. Mm-hmm. I, one guy it, in Oregon. I would guess that that number is a little bit higher. I mean, personally, I know... Uh, Two people have been killed by bulls. Yeah, well, right. bulls is it's you know especially solitary bulls. Um, you know the old expression is you fuck with the bull you get the horn. Yeah, I, I would imagine that happens. I was <laughs> I was milking for a farmer one time, and uh, you know one of the things with with dairy farming and I grew up dairy farming, but uh, if a cow has a stepped on teat, that's you know we usually say tit, but you know we're on the I guess it doesn't matter yeah. now. But uh, they have a stepped on teat. To clean it up, yeah. uh, or yeah. they get mastitis, Thank which God. is a sort of infection. Um, it's it's very sore, obviously. Um, so you gotta you gotta you know strap up the milker and not put it on that one. And I was in a hurry; I was late for my other job, so I'm I'm trying to hurry, and I forgot about this one cow. And this guy's cows didn't go in the right stall, so my head wasn't where it needed to be. Anyway, I put the I put the milker on the bad tit, and she kicked me so hard. She kicked me in the face, and then I flew back into the metal post. I mean, I was out for a good twenty minutes, you know. And you wake up in a daze. I mean, so that's one example of how somebody could easily be killed by a cow. You but know? they're so big. You know I mean? All you oh. have to do is fall, and one stomps you, and that's it. Well, 
again, it goes back to the calving thing. Um, our neighbor, the guy who I used to, uh, well, he still does some farming for uh, for us to cut some rakes and bales our hay, uh, was almost killed by a, um, uh, a cow who just freshened, just had a calf, and he went in there to deal with the calf, and she got him into a corner and beat the snot out of him. Eventually, he was able to crawl out and get under a gate. And, and this is normally a, a very nice animal, you know. Um, uh, so it's funny to tell that story when I've been sending you all this shit about how nice my cows are and I can scratch your heads <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> so, well, we were talking about that because I said that when we were around your cows, they fucking panicked and they ran off. But you brought up an important point. We were shooting squirrels. No, or we were pigeons. pigeons. They were shooting pigeons. So what we, happened? I didn't think we had shot anything yet. Was there though. a lot of you, though, too? There's a lot of you guys? There's a few. Yeah. There, there were a few. four guys. Four There's guys. St- okay. Brian Cow might have been singing. Loud. Yeah. He was singing already. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys yeah. smell different. I mean, you I know, smelled, it's, I definitely I wouldn't smell let different. strangers in with mine. You know, I wouldn't want that. Well, yeah. What happened that day is what a, a couple of different things that happened. Because, you, you, you know, factually, you were correct. What happened was is, uh, <clears throat> you went into their pasture well they weren't out in pasture we had them in a in a corral in a, in area. a barnyard because we'd been hunting and i didn't right. want them out on the yep. pasture where right. they would be and that sort of thing um there is that video of that and you see as you guys are walking in uh and i never even thought about this then joe it's like ah, i should probably go out there the cattle will be a little calmer if i'm with them but you know i was afraid that brian was going to fall through the floor of the <laughs> barn it's showing him out here's where you can't buy you know good lord oh. and i wanted to throw rocks too but um as you're walking out there there's they, they all turn and look at you as you're walking in because that's on that that outtake and then by the, when you start shooting they're all down in the corner mm-hmm. being very in a you know defensive position and I, and the analogy I, I think i use to you is imagine uh you're at home having dinner and four dudes walk into your house with cameras and guns, talking loud, doing their whole thing, and and then they start shooting. Well, I'm guessing that you're going to probably go to a corner of the house. <laughs> yeah, and no, in a defensive position. No doubt. Once the shooting started happening, um, Jamie, I just pulled this up. There was more people were killed by pigs in 2014 than were killed by sharks. Sharks get a bad rap. La- last year, uh, it says there were 12 fatal pig attacks worldwide versus 10 shark fatalities. So. Huh. Different stats, I guess. Different websites. I was, I was looking up on farm specifically. I suppose okay. that might have been. Yeah. Different stuff. So this could have been. Yeah, like- I think they're talking about wild pigs actually, which I didn't know wild pigs wow. killed that many people. They're fucking creepers, though. <sighs> have you ever been around wild pigs? I actually, I've not. Man, I was in Tahone Ranch with Renella, and we were walking down this road, and we were pig hunting, and we got close to these pigs, and they didn't know we were there because there's really thick brush and grasses, and we heard them fighting, and they were. N- less than 20 yards away and they're going to war and i'm like these are demons man they're fucking demons they sound like monsters they sound like something from the lord of the rings and they're attacking each other for whatever reason like right there i'm like god there's fucking creepy things with their giant tusks and their black hair and they're just they look like demons yeah you know and they sound crazy you hear one you go oh okay you know that's how the uh the king in the game of thrones died remember did you ever watch that show? How no. dare you? How dare you say no? Um, he was killed by a boar, wild boar. Spoiler alert. Season one. But so I, not what I watch it on. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. I don't have to, Doug. Yeah. He, he dies quick. He dies early in the show. But um, but he was killed by a wild boar, and that's that's not uncommon. You know, They're big animals, man. They get real big. Uh, fair enough. 
You know, you're going out there. <laughs> you're with not going to refute that. Yeah. Dog. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's they're a very different animal. I mean, deer have killed people. It has happened, not just car accidents, but they have gored people. Yeah. It has happened. It, it, it is possible. Yeah. It's very rare. Obviously, usually they just want to get the fuck away from you. Yep. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's, it's, they're wild. They're animals. They don't play by our rules. And I think we have a real problem in this world with our idea of what an animal is. You know, we anthropomorphize these things. We think of them the same way we think about our pets. When you have a dog and you think of your dog the same way you think of a wild bear, like, boy, they're playing on some fucking completely different yeah. fields. Yeah. They have a completely different rule book. Yeah. You know? Well, and we like to think that we're not animals. And that kind of exactly. disconnects us. At, and that that's where the disengagement and the disconnection with our our food supply comes from yeah. you know, we're so you know we're above it yeah you know that's our psyche you know? well we're also we're just not used to being around them most people are not around wild animals ever ever the great mm-hmm. majority of people that live in cities are virtually never around anything other than pigeons and squirrels they're just not around them so our ideas of wild animals are like these beautiful things that you rarely see why would you want to kill one yeah you know and the interesting point about squirrels Urban squirrels versus uh, wood squirrels. Uh, we shot a couple more episodes of Meat Eater that'll be coming out here in the next couple of weeks, and uh, we took Helen and and, and Brittany uh, squirrel hunting, and their experience mostly with squirrels was urban. Yeah, and Helen had this. Wow, they're way different than. Oh, they urban know what squirrels are like. Not coming down, and of course, Brittany was talking about like rubbing acorns on her body, and maybe they'll come out and stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> but uh, but. Completely different. Wild animal, they're out there making a living. Yeah. They're out there surviving that that whole thing. They aren't going to react the same way to, to, to human beings of walking course. through their woods. Well, it's it, animals are pliable. They're, they're flexible, just like people are. And if you start feeding wild animals, they kind of become domesticated. There's a park right down here in North Hollywood. You could like, sit down in the park, and if you bring a bag of peanuts, the squirrels will literally come and take them from your hands like a little <laughs> baby. And it's cool. You know, I mean... Those are different animals, you know, yeah. like, like, like the deer in my yard. Like, uh, my buddy came over uh, one day, and there was this deer standing there, just standing. And he's like, "Dude, I didn't think that was a real deer. I thought you were fucking with me." Because uh, he came over to my house, and we were gonna work out, and uh, there's this deer standing there. I go, well, look at that. And he goes, "What the fuck is that?" I go, "It's a deer." He's like, "This is a real deer?" Because he's a he's a buck, and he just stand there looking at us. And uh, and then he goes, "Okay, would you shoot that buck?" I go, "Fuck no." That's a that thing might as well be a pet. Yeah. Like in, if I was starving, I'd shoot it. But that thing is not worried about me at all. Mm-hmm. It's it has never been attacked by a person. It doesn't associate people with danger. They're just standing there staring at me. Yeah. You can't your kill hostas. them. Yeah. <laughs> you can't kill them. That's yeah. fucked up. Yeah. Like that's you can if you have to survive, but that's not a game animal. It. We have a a rule. Um, I don't think that you were up by my cabin, but um, Brian was, and. My wife said, you know, can you not kill him right here by the cabin? <laughs> <laughs> you have a rule. <laughs> we have a rule. But you had a beaver that you guys killed right there, right? Uh, oh, that beaver that we ate? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was, that was up on a creek not, not far from there. But um, That's okay? She allows the beavers to die? <laughs> well, yeah, she allows the muskrats to die, too, who burrow into the dam and you know, cause all kinds of damage. Oh, so you, like you want them to die. Yeah, you, gotta, you get rid of them because they're causing their, you know, the issues. By and, the way, how good is that goddamn beaver taste? Um, absolutely, bar none, best wild meat I've ever eaten. Really? It's, fan- it's fantastic. Well, the right. way Ranella yeah, cooked yeah. it, yeah. he braised it and then slow cooked it like a stew. And I'm telling you, man, it was like, 
the best beef stew you've ever had yep. in your life, like in, wow. rich and flavorful. And again, just like we're talking about with um, organic beef versus regular, you know, corn fed. This is a wild animal with a wild natural diet and a real healthy big fat beaver. Yeah. So so texture wise, I mean, it's I've ate like raccoon. Is it like, it like oh, slow no. down? Raccoon's son. a whole other. It is a whole other ball son. game. But you it's, ate it's raccoon. Well, yeah, it's a wild game thing. I mean, wow. bear. I mean, people. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> one of the worst things. Oh hell yes! What? Yes. Fucking Wisconsin. I'm taking the shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I noticed there's not a beaver in the middle of right. Yeah, it's a, or Be- or, start uh, a beaver farm. Musk, there right. you go. Yo, uh, sustainable when, beaver. When did you eat a raccoon, man? Uh, just at game feeds. You know, they do it. They we have bear feeds like you know Packers Packers Bears weekend. They'll have a bear feed at the local tavern and. You know, people bring in other stuff too. Wait wild game snake. <laughs> Hold the fuck on. First of all, let me just explain to people that are only listening. I asked. <laughs> I asked Nate. I go, "When have you eaten a raccoon?" And Doug throws his hands up like I'm like, "When have you had French fries?" You <laughs> French fries? Like it's a fucking raccoon, man. It's been a long time. Okay. It's been a long time. That's so. True. What is the, you have a bear? What? Well, every once in a while. When it's Packers Bears, you know, right. you big rivalry. You know, they'll have a at a local tavern. They'll have Newman's Bar and Grill. We'll plug those guys down in Hill Point. You know, they they've had bear bear feeds. You know, for the pack or Bears game. You know, there's a connection. There. And they'll uh, you know people bring other stuff. You know, so and there's, have there's a wild game feed. feeds. I've had rattlesnake. Yeah, a feed, but you're calling it a feed. You know, like a steak feed, or a you know, it's just a you feed a bunch of people and they okay. sit down and get drunk. And well, eat how a bunch are they cooking? Shit. How are they cooking the bear? What are they doing? Probably roasting it. You know, uh, I mean, the big I've barrel roasters. One. Yeah, yeah. That so they just have a, a gigantic bear barbecue. Yeah. They well, barbecue. no, no, no. I mean, it's parted up and mm-hmm. you know that sort of thing. It's good. But, it's good. Well, bear is real tricky, right? You got to make sure that you, that you it's cook well it to the right all that. temperature. Yep. Everything as well. Oh yeah. It's everywhere. Is trichinosis? It's a concern. Yeah. So yeah, it's sort of a Wisconsin tradition. I tell you, to I was like, when you heard, you heard <laughs> raccoon, a game feed. Oh, I yeah. mean, there might be, and it could be bear. It could be back in the day when there was more, uh, when uh, raccoon hides were and uh, were more valuable. And that's there's an ebb and flow to that market, of course. Well, you got all these hides, and what do you do with the carcasses? Right. And I mean, so a certain amount of them are are being eaten. Um, what does it taste like? It's pretty greasy. Yeah, greasy? really greasy. Yeah. yeah. Was it a good grease? Is it good good for you? It's it's one is of those things. That's, there's a little gaminess to it. You know, it's one of those things you got to get used to it. You know, and I don't eat enough bear meat to get used to it. But I like bear. No, I've had yeah. bear. Oh, no, re- I'm oh, talking about raccoon. Oh, raccoon. Yeah. Raccoon. Oh, I'm sorry. So I didn't I'm sorry. Think, are you talking about bear or raccoon? I, I, oh, I, I way prefer bear. Yeah, raccoon, raccoon is super gamey. Okay. Yeah, it's nu- it's kind of nutty in a I weird way. I didn't think that bear was greasy at all. Bear to me tasted like almost like a beef. Where did you uh, Alberta? Yeah. So what's that in, in Wisconsin in the Midwest where there's hunting going on? They're doing a lot of baiting of them mm-hmm. uh, with you know like old donuts and, uh, and stuff like okay. that. Um, and and I remember Steve talking about um, I've never I've never bear hunted anywhere. Um, how he doesn't like taking like is it spring bears or mm-hmm. because uh, they're eating Bait. old yeah. I mean, whatever the, the timing is of sal- the sal- blueberry salmon. bears or whatever yeah. he loves the blueberry bears but not the because sa- their meat tastes like what they ate right holy hey, moly hey, that's what we're talking about isn't that yeah. crazy though yeah. 
that you know Ronella's show. Have you ever seen that show where he shot? I haven't. I haven't. I don't, show, I don't watch much TV oh, okay. at all. Well, he uh, he shot a, a bear in Alaska in the fall, and it had been just feasting on blueberries. And he was saying that this is the best meat bar none in the world. Bar none. And he was saying that you open this bear up and you smell blueberries, yeah. and it's like a sweet tasting meat. And then you and and it just really, I mean. You eat a burger, you don't think about it. You drink a soda, you don't think about it. But that is your cells. You are literally supplying nutrients to your cells, to your food. Yeah. And when you eat, like, um, I used to work with this dude who used to drink a lot of carrot juice and his fucking hands turned orange. Like, his skin tar- started turning orange because he was eating, like, three or four glasses of carrot juice a day. How orange are we talking? Orange as fuck. Like, weird. Like, spray tan. Like, like Jersey Cheetos, Shore. Cheetos? Orange or no, like an orange, like a carrot. You know, not, yeah. he made a jerk off motion. I don't know why you jerk <laughs> off. I don't know with why Cheetos. that was either. I How saw do you that connect my, jerking saw. off with Cheetos? Well, that, that's a joke. You know the. Okay, it is. But I don't understand. Uh, Did Cheetos and jerking off. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, well, it's it's kind of one of those things. You know, is it's, it like a bear feed. Like you got to be in Wisconsin <laughs> to understand it. <laughs> yes, you know yes. Cheetos. I give you a it's bag of, of Cheetos. He go in the it's bathroom and I hear times. grunting. <laughs> I don't know, man. There's some stuff about this guy I didn't know before. I got him <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, um, Cheetos. Uh, forget Cheetos. Yeah, but forget it's, Cheetos. But, but, but it's forget that kind of Cheetos. food. I mean, if you're eating Cheetos all day or potato chips or whatever the fuck it is, that is literally supplying your cells. Yeah. And we don't think about it that way. We just think about this tastes good. I am me. I am Doug. Doug eats cheeseburger because cheeseburger tastes good. But a cheeseburger literally is supplying your body. You know, I, I started this diet recently. This is called the P- Primal Blueprint Diet. This guy on the podcast named uh, Mark Sisson, and he is an advocate of no grains, no bread, no pasta, no rice, no nothing. Mostly fats. You get your fats from avocados, from mm-hmm. healthy fats from beef and, and uh, chicken or whatever the fuck you eat, and, and coconut oil, things along those lines, uh, MCT oil. And uh, I've been on it now for two weeks, and it's pretty fascinating. Pretty fascinating. First of all, it took me a while to like adjust from going on a carbohydrate-based uh, energy to a fat-based energy, getting my my energy from fats. My body fat's decreased pretty significantly. I lost at least six pounds now, of, and I'm eating like normal amounts, huh. mm-hmm. but I'm just eating fat and and proteins and a lot of vegetables and no sugars at all none zero i'm not e- i'm not eating any processed sugar i eat occasional piece of fruit um, blueberries and things along those lines but it's mostly vegetables and meat that i'm eating and, <laughs> and 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 a lot of avocados wow but my cells obviously are getting nutrients off of this off of healthy fats and what he found is he had arthritis he also had irritable bowel syndrome. Those things went away when he when he cut grains out of his diet and we stopped eating processed sugar. So it's like infl- Those things inflammation went away. Yeah. Thing. yeah, inflammation. Yeah, and that these healthy fats, like healthy fats for your body, like coconut oil, things along those lines, is is really the best fuel for your body. And your body gets into a state of ketosis, which takes about two weeks. Which I just started getting into. I just started getting into the state of ketosis. And your body, once it reaches this state of ketosis, gets its energy primarily from fat. And it's a more normal, natural way for your body to respond. And your body can shift. Like, you know, your body's very flexible. It can shift from a glucose-based, carbohydrate-based fuel system to a fat-based fuel system. So this is what my body has just started to do. And I committed to this. I was going to do a month, but I just decided to make it two months. So I'm committing to this for two months, and I'm going to talk about it and see what it's like. But I'm sold two weeks in. I don't like it in the fact that if I go to a, 
a restaurant and someone's got uh, spaghetti and meatballs next to me. I'm like, fuck, I can't eat the meatballs. <laughs> fuck, I can't eat the spaghetti. Like, I, have, I can't eat any sugar, no desserts. Does that seem different to you? Uh, and what I mean is when you smell like a, a, a carbohydrate like that, uh, like a craving, it was all of a sudden, whoa. Well, Whereas with, no. maybe not so much before. No, it's the opposite. This is what's really strange about it. I what they've said, what people have hypothesized, and the theories are that your gut bacteria controls a lot of your appetite. And this is one of the reasons why I used to be stuffed, like stuffed at the end of a meal, and I would still want sugar. I'd still mm, want some yeah, candy, yeah. or I'd still, yeah, right? <laughs> That's Fuck. me, man. It's awful, right? You yep. still want some pie? Oh, bring that fucking pie <laughs> over here. You know? yes. Well, now I don't. It's weird. Because of this shit, Adjustment, yeah. my body, it, taking plenty of probiotics, uh, drinking a lot of kombucha, things along those lines, um, taking some probiotic supplements. You're, you you introduce healthy bacteria into mm -hmm. your stomach and your your gut, and because of that, your shift it shifts like what you're hungry for. It's very strange. Like bread to me looks like uh, like why don't you eat stuffing out of a mattress? Like it looks like <laughs> nonsense to me. It's very strange because I used to see like bread. Someone bring out like a restaurant, nice loaf of bread and butter. I'm like, oh, give me that. Yes. And yeah. I'd be all yeah. excited, slap some butter on that bitch and eat it up. Now I look at him like that's not even food. Like it said, it doesn't register to me as in food. a two week period of time. You had two that weeks, big... two weeks, and I mean, you were such an unhealthy son of a bitch before that. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm saying, I mean, I think part of it must be psychological that I've decided that this isn't food. That yeah. I've made a shift in my mind yeah. because I'm not eating it. I haven't eaten it in two weeks. But I think there's a real good argument that it's gut bacteria. That's yeah. a big mm -hmm. part of it because the sugar. Like, they had, like, a dessert tray thing, and they brought it out at a restaurant I was at the other day. You know, you know like, they, they, a fancy place, they bring you, like, would you like this? Is this one here and this one here? The apropylene and uh, none of it looked good. It all looked like nonsense to me. Whereas before, I'd be like, what am I going to fuck my body up with? I got to figure this out. I got to take it's this home with me. Very interesting stuff. And uh, I, I'm, I wanted to experiment with it because the guy was fascinating. He's very intelligent. And I said, well, how, what does it hurt for me to try this out? I thought it would be an interesting topic of discussion to do it for you know, 60 days or so and then maybe even have him back on or have someone else on that advocates it. And, and I've read people that advocate uh, carbohydrate-rich diets. And it seems to me that your body is pretty flexible and your body can exist on a bunch of different types of fuel. And people get really dogmatic about it, you know, like you have to do it this way. You have to do it that way. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think – I think it's all – there's also biodiversity, right? There's different people come from different climates. They come from different parts of the world. Originally, yeah. their ancestors did. And I think their bodies have become more acclimated to those types of foods. And that was like the big issue with Native Americans when the Europeans showed up with alcohol. And they li literally didn't have the genes to process this stuff, whereas Irish people process that <laughs> shit like that, yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, it's interesting that you said that about probiotic because I've been taking a probiotic for about 18 months now. Uh, of all the places where I got this advice was from my accountant. And, wow. Uh, yeah. How well, weird. Is it buddy? Uh, or is it like, uh, I went over your taxes and what you and, need you know, is absolutely <laughs> <laughs> No, it's one of her clients, but um, I had been sick and she said something about probiotics. And, and, and honest to God, 18 months I've been taking a probiotic every morning and – I've not been, and I haven't done anything else different, but I've been uh, not necessarily healthier, but less ill. Mm, well, not ill at all, really. There's a, an article I read once about skin um, flora, and uh, it was in regards to grappling. 
Because uh, with jujitsu and with wrestling, a big issue is ringworm yeah. and even staph infection. I've gotten both. Really? Yeah, man, it sucks. The, the, the staph was real scary because um, my friend Tate Fletcher spotted it. We were at an airport. We were hanging out, getting ready to go on our plane, and I just had my foot sitting up on my knee, and he was looking at the bottom of my calf. And he goes, hey, man, what's going on with your leg? I go, what? He's like, what's going you? He's like, what's all this? I go, what is it? He's like, there's little pimples on my leg. I'm like, I don't know. He goes, dude. That looks like staff. I go, are you serious? And he goes, yeah, I don't like that, man. Go get that checked out. Because he, you know, he uh, fought, has been grappling been his whole life. It, yeah. And he had, he had caught it before. I had never caught it. I caught ringworm before, and I, I knew what that looked like. And so I was like, this is fucking pimples. Like, what is it? He's like, I'm telling you, I think that's staff. So I go immediately to a dermatologist, take his advice. And the guy goes, yup, yeah. get on some fucking antibiotics. And he gives me these horse pills of death. <sighs> this stuff's awful. Hmm. These first of all, antibiotics when you have staph wrecks your entire system because it doesn't just kill the staph; yeah. it kills all the healthy flora too. Yeah, so gotta start over. What they say to counter that um, is to take probiotics once you're done with your whole cycle, but also to prevent it in the future, you take healthy bacteria like a lot of acidophilus, different forms of probiotics, and you are essentially giving your body soldiers to fight off infection. And the skin flora changes when you take, like, high doses of healthy acidophilus and things along those lines. Your skin – it's also, like, for people that are vegan, there's uh, some different probiotics, like raw uh, uh, sauerkraut. Like, raw sauerkraut is really good. Kimchi is another one that's really good. Makes sense. Fantastic yeah. probiotic. You're essentially taking in live organisms that become a part of your body, and they're soldiers. And these live organisms fight off against shitty bacteria. It's yeah. amazing stuff. Well, part of the reason I was convinced, <clears throat> other than I get my medical advice <laughs> 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 uh, on the cheap, is uh, in the, the other work that I do, I build and manage athletic fields. Um, and there's a huge movement to go towards organic uh, uh, fertilization or uh, cultural practices in, uh, on athletic fields. You know, this one facility that I manage um, – before every tournament, we'll get emails and calls from parents who are bringing their eight-year-old and say, well, we're coming in from wherever, and we want, would like to know what's been applied to your fields. My son or daughter has an issue with herbicide intolerance or whatever. And I'm real, I take that shit really seriously. Yeah. Um, we started using <clears throat> uh, compost from uh, both a facility uh, nearby from the county but also from a, a supplier and applying that as a part of our um, our regime. Cut, we're able to cut back on fertilizer. And the other thing that was really interesting is that um, a lot of the pathogens that we have issue with on, and you see them on golf courses, they get uh, different kinds of fungus that affect the grass because you're, you know, it's, you're putting water on it and you're feeding the shit out of it. And, it, and by putting that uh, compost on there um, and providing, you know, essentially the, the organisms that are good for the soil, we're feeding the soil not the plant, which nitrogen that they, you know, synthetic nitrogen or, or uh, does. And so what ends up happening is we're, we're feeding that soil. And so now we've got a whole environment there that that uh, turf grass has got an opportunity to utilize everything that's in that soil. And it's healthier. Um, and, you know, we're kind of going the other, we're going the other direction in, mm. in 
everything from farming to growing grass for kids to play soccer on. Well, I know a guy who lived near a golf course growing up, and the pesticides that they use on the golf course infected the water supply, and he got bone cancer and Ooh. cancer throughout his neighborhood. Everyone in his neighborhood was affected. Someone they knew got cancer. It was rampant. And it was just people that were drinking the water that came from this area where it had been contaminated because of a fucking golf course. Yeah, reaching yeah. in. And, and uh, the one company that I work with uh, has built, uh, been part of a construction of a golf course that from day one was, and it's actually certified organic, um, but it was been a part of their process all the way along. And they control, you know, the amount of traffic on it and all of those sort of things, too. But it's a beautiful golf course. And they haven't used any uh, pesticides um, or synthetic fertilizers on it. One of the things that they had brought up in that same article about um, organic meat being healthier was the incorporation of clover in with grass. And that somehow or another clover helps uh, – it helps sustain like a nitrogen balance with the grasses. Like, it's a nitro- a clover is a nitrogen-fixing plant. So if you, you know, in a pasture, we, we, we introduce clover into our pastures. Um, and so it fixes nitrogen into the soil that's then available for the grasses. And uh, white clovers and a lot of the things that I actually plant in some of the food plot stuff that we do for wildlife. For deer, yeah. Yeah, for deer. Um, it's sweet, it tastes good, and it's also providing nitrogen to the plants that need it. Um, now, and that's a big problem with things like gigantic fields of only grain, of mm-hmm. only corn, or of only wheat. That this it's not natural for one plant species to yeah. be monoculture. Per- yeah, yeah, that's not normal, right? That's not natural, and it's kind of like what you were talking about when you're talking about these really interesting, diverse ecosystems that are created by these organic farms, like this one that you were you were highlighting earlier. Yeah, yeah, and. And so it is. It's a it's a, a complete ecosystem. It's a yeah. closed circle. That's how it's supposed to be. Well, the thing that well, gets me so. is that you know this Mark Shepard. I mean, I, and I've just paged through it. You know, Doug's read more of it than I have. But I mean, you look at this and you read it, and it makes sense. And you're like, wow, this guy's a genius. But then you think about like ancient civilizations. We're doing things along these lines. Where did we lose that? You know, where did that go away? Well, it seems you know? like we lost it with this factory farming, and we also lost it when we started putting people in cities. Yeah. I think cities are a real big part of our disconnect, and also awesome. I love cities. Yeah. I love to be able to well, go to the movies. Implement, yeah, I like getting like, on the highway. Like the guy you mentioned, <laughs> the guy you yeah. mentioned, Joel, that grows this shit Joel in the medians. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's... Oh, oh no, Joel's, that was, no, that was, no, that was um, Ron Finley. You know, jo- you've heard of Joel Salatin? He's been on the podcast. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah he's I was, awesome. Yeah, I was going to reference him. He's, he's Oh, yeah, he's amazing. He's got some amazing books. You know, well, he's got he a lot of books on a really interesting strategy for like uh, letting pigs and all these different animals graze. Yep. Is that what he does is he sets up this perimeter fence, this large, like mildly charged fence. So if they go to it, it irritates them and they sit, so they don't run over the fence and then he moves it. He yep. moves the fence and they, they graze in a new area. So yep. they don't just d- destroy. Grazing. Yeah. yeah. They don't just, and they're living as if they were wild. They're essentially grazing off acorns, things along those lines, and just giant areas where they roam and forage, and they eat just like a wild pig, yeah. and because of that, their flesh is very different. Uh, that's what you got in your freezer now, dude. Well, this is this is elk, but I have a wild well, no, pig I, from, in my freezer from us, at home. From that we brought oh, you. Okay. Yeah, you got, absolutely. You pig? That's how we, yeah, we pasture them. Yep. Oh, okay. 
Well, that's the way to do it. I mean, it's a different kind of meat. It looks different. You know, I mean, it has a, a deeper, darker, richer color. And that's one of the things that I noticed when we shot, when Rinella and I shot a pig at the Tohon Ranch. It was thick with fat from acorns and its texture. The, the meat was like a dark mm -hmm. red and it was delicious. It's a different animal. Isn't it interesting, like with beef, um, <clears throat> I still eat the occasional uh, beef that uh, that I might not know where it came from. Right. Not very often, but uh, there's one uh, one place, uh, one restaurant that, uh, nearby our place that I go to, and they, he finishes his beef with uh, with corn, uh, but it's mostly you know grass fed. And but he's still sort of old school. With and the he marble. does that to marble it. To yeah, yeah, yeah. I taste the difference between. Of course, you taste the difference between venison because really, again, I don't have this wide experience of hunting in, in, in different areas and having meat from different areas. So I am excited about your elk. But So the venison to grass-fed beef to corn-fed beef. Um, and it's been a long time since I've had something that I, like I said, where I didn't know where it came from. But I can tell you when it was, when it was uh, fat cattle, they call them. Um, I feel like after I get done eating a piece of meat like that, like I have a little prime rib or something when I go out on a Saturday night, I feel like I should take a knife and like scrape that fat off my tongue. It just has a completely different taste, and I just, mm. I'm not interested in it anymore. Just, yeah. yeah. And so my, you know, taste has changed that way. Um, so I, I, It's very tender, you oh, know, but, but it's also because that animal's dying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that, that animal you're eating a sumo wrestler. You're eating a, <laughs> you're eating a slob. What are that? What's that? Uh, where they massage them? Yeah, the, Kobe beef. Yeah, yeah. yeah. or Wagyu. It's the uh, more common. Is that how you say it? Just big Wagyu. Fan. I don't like that stuff, man. I've had it before. I mean, it's okay, but it's just it's so fucking soft and weird. Yeah, it's like why? Wh how the fuck is this muscle carrying this animal around? <laughs> it's you gelatinous. Know? Yeah. You know? weird i'll take it to even more of an extreme and and uh and that is uh veal there was mm, yeah, a, a down yeah. the road from our old friend who had the issue with us when we were hunting and he would mm -hmm. call and leave me those crazy messages <laughs> uh before uh before he owned that place it was owned by another guy who raised veal and i and when i was younger i helped out up there once in a while and how you helped out was to help him load the veal those animals are in a cage where they essentially can't or a, a box at the, where they can barely turn around and they're being fed you know a, a milk replacer uh, yeah. a powdery that you mix with water and it's kind of a liquid and that's all they're getting and the best looking veal cal calves were the last animal i ever wanted to eat i mean yeah. it, and, and it smelled bad it well they, there was nothing good about it the muscles aren't developed they're not. They don't want them to develop. You it's know? a crazy thing. I don't. I don't understand it. I don't understand how it got started, and I don't understand why people keep eating it. Well, people eat lutefisk. <laughs> I mean, eat that's what? weird. Lutefisk. <laughs> what is that? It's like. Well, it's, it, it's I thought like you were fish. saying ludicrous. I was like, what did he do wrong? <laughs> fish in, uh, in uh, what is it? Uh, lie. Yeah. What? I mean, yeah, they it's, could, a it's a Norwegian thing. Fisk. It's a survival a thing. The Vikings did it on ships and stuff, but people still, it's more, it's a tradition thing, but oh, so it's, it's like literally a way soaked of in lye. It? Yeah. It's lie? Yes. Like, I mean, it. But isn't lye poisonous? It's, this is real. Um, look, what uh, in the go. fuck is this? <laughs> and it's Ugh. weird. I mean, you want to talk gelatinous, God. dude. My, yeah. my friend Lauren Hansen is standing up with his hands in the air right now. <laughs> He's an old Norwegian. Norwegians are awesome. I just got to say that. Oh my God! What? But that's is weird. This? Yeah. So pairing look at, wines. Look at, look at the look at with lutefisk. Oh God! It looks like jizz. <laughs> look at it. It's like it's like slime. 
Yeah, it's, it's like like snail slime. And I, I've never had veal, but I've had this, and I, you know, it's got to be. What is it no like? Yeah, what is this yeah. like? But yeah, but this is just. Uh, well, it was a th- it was something I did to survive. Yeah. yeah, and it's just tradition now. But people, what does it taste like? I can't even describe. I don't. I, I think I blocked it out of my mind. You it's know, that it's, bad. Well, see what they these these Nor- in the Norwegian areas of of Wisconsin they have these dinners, you know, Ludafisk dinners for fundraisers and such. But they also have <laughs> they, they have other things. So you try, you know, my they my whole thing a lot was, of money. <laughs> was was out of respect. I'd uh, take a bite of Ludafisk and then and then I wash that down with some like you know Swedish meatballs and and you know right lefse you know just soak and just get it out of your mouth it's one what? of those things like what's the other thing you wash down with Swedish meatballs and what? lefse it's like a little isn't it a potato bread type Almost like a tortilla. Know, it's like a Norwegian a tortilla. Food show here. <laughs> you guys yeah. are eating raccoons and hey, fucking ludicrous. Ludicrous <laughs> smelt feeds. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, smelt feeds. A smelt feed. Yeah. Little itty bitty fish. They're like little tiny fish. You scoop them up in giant nets. Deep fry right? them. Deep fry them. Yeah. And you eat the whole thing, right? Guts and all. Pretty much. Yeah. What is that like? That's, it's it's really good. I mean, yeah. we are, our wrestling club. Oh, not so good. Says uh, Doug. I, I, I like it. it. I like it. Well, yeah, it's not yeah. the it's not the favorite thing, but I mean, it's not. You, you fry anything, and it's pretty good. You know, I mean, oh, deep fry like yeah. with bread yeah. and all that. Jazz. Yeah, I guess yeah. I do. Tartar them. sauce. You put a dozen of them on a bun, and you know, mm. chow down, make some yeah. money for the wrestling club. Well, you got to do what you got to do if you're hungry. Beavers. There's a TV show. Uh, I think how do you get some money from the wrestling club from fucking? <laughs> this is, how do you make this connection? Oh, it's a fundraiser. You know, that's oh. what we do. That's how we make money. We we have feeds, Ludafisk feeds, steak feeds, bear feed. You know, and it's it's that's not real the, creative when it comes to uh, uh, raising money. I guess. Although we have the the Casanova. This is one plug I do want to put in the Casanova Turkey Busters Fishery coming up this week. Turkey Busters Fishery. fishery. <laughs> what, is, what is a Turkey Buster? Well, first, well, it's a sportsman's club. I don't, oh. think, I don't think we have a website or anything, so I, I wouldn't look it up. But uh, uh, so it's a sportsman's club, and, and in Casanova, which is you know 250 people, it's sort of the Lions Club, the Knights of Columbus, the every you know the Rotary. It's everybody put together, and, and it's just this group of dudes who are really into turkey hunting. Okay, and they call uh, themselves the Turkey Busters. Turkey Busters, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, why do we have a fishery? Well, we have this little. Uh, lake lee lake there in casanova and one of the things that we do is with the money that we raise is uh stock it with walleyes and other um game fish and uh uh so one of the things that we do is have this fishery which is on the ice so it's essentially an ice fishing um tournament would be the wrong word um although there are prizes for like the biggest bluegill and the biggest bass and and that kind of thing um, but mostly it's a thing where people come to and you have raffles and um, it's the social event of the season in Casanova. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Just FYI, <laughs> Doug, yeah, they are online, but all they have they is are? all they have. All they have is the phone number <laughs> and, and contact. This is at Casanova Memorial Park. Contact don't, Chuck Keller. Don't put contact. the number online. No, no. Whatever you do, we've already said too much. <laughs> If they have a website, they're getting dick pics right now sent to them <laughs> as you speak. Wow. But, um, yeah, so those are different ways that – and you know, and some of the stuff that we've also done is um, uh, donated, bought and donated, like Hoyt archery bows or uh, Matthews bows to uh, uh, the 
to the the school's uh, physical education program. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome that that they still do that. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, so this is a little organization of of a bunch of guys who get together eh, once or it depends on the time of the year once or twice a month and well there's certainly a benefit to having a small community like that where everybody really does care about the welfare of the community and cares about all these different things like wrestling team needing money for uniforms and things along those lines we lose a lot of that when you have big cities There's, there's so much to gain in a big city but there's so much to lose, too. And yeah. it's like we were talking earlier about the diffusion of responsibility that you have when there's 20 million people. You see somebody with their fucking car broken down on the side of the road. I don't even think about stopping. Yeah. I'm like, I hope this asshole is AAA. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Pass by. <laughs> but if you're on some country road and you see someone broken down, you think one of two things. I hope this guy's not a serial killer and I should probably try to help him. Yeah. Exactly. You know, those are the two things yeah. you think. And the other thing out in our, our territory when you're driving or in our area when you're driving around is you wave to everybody. Yeah. You know, so you're driving on. It might not mm-hmm. be putting your hand up like this or anything, but you, at least you're driving on. Give a little and nod. And you go like this. Yeah. yeah. That's well, just the one thing. That's, well, that's nice. You know, it's, yeah, it and is. That, that is definitely missing on the highway because otherwise you'd be fucking. Yeah, you, you still know, get the one tunnel. finger sign out yeah. on the highway around <laughs> yeah. here. But yeah. Yeah. If you were yeah. fucking waving to everybody that passed you, you'd, you'd, your Hello. hands would break. You know? Yeah, it's a. Uh, cities are weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's all weird, isn't it? It is weird. People are weird, but cities are especially weird because I don't think this is a normal thing. I don't, well, we've only had them for the last couple hundred years in this sort of magnitude that we have now, like with New York and L.A. and things along those lines. Just to have so many people jammed into an area like this and, and as we started this conversation, have a complete disconnect as to where your food comes from and that the food is coming from life, whether it's plant life or whether it's animal life your food comes from life life eats life and yeah. that is yeah. reality jack london is that, is that what he about said that yeah in the, it's uh what the sea wolf we were just talking about this yeah what did he say um well it's a this character it's this old pirate in this book called the sea sea wolf i knew he was gonna get a pirate and uh are you a fan of pirates are yeah yeah well, who isn't man <laughs> pirates are awesome but uh i mean you know maybe not to the new age ones, the Somalis or whatever. Oh yeah, but, they're a little different. But, but uh, they're, you know, those are not without my sympathy as well. I yeah, hold on. Everybody's got an that. agenda, and everybody's got a reason to fight. You know. Uh, well, they have this, a very. We'll, we'll get into that. This in a uh, this specific pirate, his whole, you know, he's a loner, and his whole thing in the, the conversation throughout the book is he talks about it as a yeast. You know, life eats, eats life, and his whole contention is, what the fuck matters? Life eats life. I mean, you could make an argument like. You're going to be dead. You're going to be dead. You're going to be dead. Who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck what happens? You know, I mean, people, that's not a very nice way to look at things, you know, but it is, it's, I mean, it's a fact, you know? It is a fact, but also this moment right now is enjoyable. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah, no, no, I'm not. I'm well, not. I have a problem with that sort of absolute sort of, you know, worrying about the end. No, no absolutely. How about the moment is enjoyable. Like, Nothing else at all. Camaraderie yep. and friendship and a good meal with friends is one of the best things you can have in life. Adventures and things that you, you enjoy, activities that you like to participate in, those are very enjoyable. And I think that's what life is about. Life is about these friendships and these enjoyable moments that we have with each other. So I, these absolute ideas that people have about what is the point, man? Yeah. It's fucking yes. all going to end, man. Well, okay. You could look at it that way. Yeah. It's like, what's the point in playing the game? The game's going to be over one day. Yeah. Like, do you not enjoy the fucking game? Enjoy the game, yeah, man. These enjoy are some the of those moments. kids we saw sitting on the steps today, you know, 
you know, just sitting there. Oh, in, in Hollywood? Yeah. They're just poisoned. In, These poor yeah. fucks. They're poisoned by the brake dust that's fucking flowing through the air everywhere. <laughs> that shit's terrible for you. There's definitely different smells out here, man. Fucking brake dust is terrible. It's one of the one things that people don't talk about, about living in urban environments that you don't... You go to your car, you know that shit if you have a a wheel and you see that stuff on the outside of your wheel? You're breathing that. Yeah. You're breathing that everywhere, especially if you live in New York or if you live in LA and there's constant traffic going by you. Every time they hit the brakes, a little bit of fucking dust gets up in the air. And that stuff, you're dealing with millions and millions of cars, this stuff permeates the environment. It's terrible for you. People's... People's vol- the voluntary coast guard of Somalia. That's what the pirates called themselves. The reason why they started doing pirating in Somalia is because they were fishermen. They were fishermen, and these assholes from Europe and Russia were dumping toxic waste off their shores, nuclear waste, toxic yeah. chemical waste, and it was killing all the fish. So what they started doing was kidnapping the the people that were in the boats that were doing the dumping. So these fishermen who were fucking starving to death because they all of a sudden their their waters were polluted. They started going after these guys and kidnapping them. Then they realized, hey, we get way more fucking money from kidnapping people <laughs> than we do from fishing. They became pirates. Yeah. Yeah. And so they also started taking this stuff called cat. And this is a it's, – it's a narcotic. It's a, a stimulant that they, uh, they take. It's like a plant that they chew, and it gives them like like it's like a fucking meth type plant. I don't know the exact uh, pull, pull that up. I think it's K H A T, but it's a stimulant that they chew all the time. It's one of the reasons why these people are so there. It is cat to be banned in the UK. You see, like this guy's eating, chewing on these uh, these leaves, and it produces. Pull pull up a website or a, a web description instead of an image, and we'll find out what is the actual. Um, go to all. Instead of images, yeah, the guy's chaw. Yeah. That, he's got a like a big league chew in there. Um, yeah, this is. Uh, oh, I seen in that movie Captain Phillips. Yeah, the, the, so this this stuff is it's a it's a drug, and these people take it. It's an alkaloid. Yeah, oh, here it is, cathinone. Or it's an amphetamine, amphetamine-like stimulant, which is said to cause excitement, loss of appetite, and euphoria. And so these guys take this, they get jacked on this cat, K-H-A-T, and um, they would go out and fucking kidnap people. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, too. You know, I mean, my initial reaction when I said, except Somali pirates, I mean, that's how we tell history is from... You know, Captain Phillips' mm-hmm. side. You know, and yeah. that's like the Howard Zinn thing. Howard Zinn tells it from the other side. You know, so let me retract that. I well, like Somali players a little bit too. You know, everybody's got, got a, uh, you know, they've the, got a reason to fight. They got fucked for the longest time. They were incredibly peaceful people. Somalians were very peaceful. They, you know, they weren't out there robbing and trying to jack people. They were fishermen. And when the Europeans started dumping that stuff off their shores, they had to take a new approach. They had to just. Adapt, yeah. improvise, overcome. Yeah. It's just, but again, where's that coming from? Coming from, you know, large-scale human beings living in these giant civilizations creating waste that they don't know what to do with. Do with yeah. So some dickhole decides to dump it off the coast of uh, Africa because they don't have any say in the matter. You know, they didn't want to dump it in the, in the London Bay. In the backyard. Yeah. 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 So they decided to. Is, is well, we do that here, too. Is London you know, Bay? Did I make they that? Were, they loosen standards so that. Companies yeah. can put more in. You know? Well, that's a big deal with New York City as well. The, the Hudson River's fucking deserted wasteland. It was at one point in time. They're dredging it up now and starting yeah. to, uh, to clean it and, and trying to uh, really impose very strict regulations on the amount of waste that gets in it. But 
used and these to large be animal facilities, same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Where do same we put thing. this stuff? And you see these trucks going up and down, these big tank trucks full of shit. And they have to haul it really room. far because they don't have enough. They're renting land all over. Wow. So they're hauling it. That was a big issue in our area is, is the weight on the roads. Oh, yeah. And so then, you know, and the farmers, you know, they didn't want to be taxed or anything. So they, I believe there's a compromise where it wasn't a road tax, but they made them have another axle. So it spread the weight out and wasn't, you know, tearing the hell out of the roads. Oh, so the actual physical weight on the road. Is that why they go oh, to these a weigh giant station tankers and do they it. have to yeah. weigh them? I always wondered why they weigh them. <clears throat> well, out in our neck of the woods, again, um, a lot of the roads were just gravel roads. And then over time, they did this thing called tar and chip. So a gravel road is not built, you know, it doesn't have any particular engineer. Well, I suppose it has some engineering flat. standards, but flat not. Flat as possible, yeah. yeah. Um, and there aren't any engineering standards, but gravel roads are a bitch to to keep up so they started to uh, tar and chip them so it's you know so it's what does that mean poor man's uh, blacktop so you put uh or asphalt so you put this tar down and then go over the top of it and i could have it pea gravel type with thing. pea gravel stuff and it all binds together and then over time people keep driving on it, and over time it actually seals it up oh. and if you're just driving over it with cars and pickup trucks it's okay but now here comes you know a big tanker truck or a big tanker uh with you know behind a, a monster tractor and you know it's breaking down the sides of the roads and it ends up being a, an issue for yeah. us and as nate said they're having to haul this stuff further and further because you can only put so much shit on so much ground and the shit that they are putting out there is uh it, you know it's it's liquid manure that's going into these tanks um or into these liquid holding facilities. manure liquid manure yeah. Oh, it's nuts! It's I just the, found a new way to torture terrorists. And there's a there's a double standard with it. Um, it so you got this massive amount of liquid manure, you know, and they're they're not going to store it, they're not going to compost it or anything like that. So like right now, we've got a nice snowpack, twelve inches, and they're spreading it on top of the snow. So, and and, and just to, to illustrate the double standard, I got family that uh, is in the septic business, you know. So if they go out, if they spread this shit on a certain slope, human the, shit, the d- human shit. From, like, holding tanks or pumping out. So, they spread it on yeah. the snow? Well, see, here's the thing, though. It, 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 they spread it on the snow, and if they do it over... I love you. If they do it over... Uh, <laughs> he said that because Jamie just pulled up liquid yeah. manure spreaders and toolbars for the people that are listening. And, and see how watching. they've added added axles? You know, that's a new thing. They used to have one axle, just spread the and it was up. just too much on the road. But So a septic dude, he goes out there to get rid of this human shit, and if he does it on a certain grade, he'll get a giant fine from the DNR. But a farmer... Goes out and does it, and it's like, eh, you know, so... Human shit? A farmer can dump human no, no, shit? No, 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 a, a farmer can go dump cow shit. And the thing is, you know, in the end, uh, I mean, shit is shit is shit, you know? No, but I it's mean, not, though, right? Because cow shit is just, they're eating grass. So, like, manure is... Not it, in those is facilities, it, they're not. They're yeah. all oh, kinds okay, of different right. proteins. So, and, of, you know, obviously this, when the snow melts, you know, that, that, a lot of that shit is going into the, the stream. So, like, right. where Doug and I, you know... <laughs> We really value our shit. You know, we keep it, we compost it, we turn it into something with value. These, that's that's a waste. It's going into the water and polluting, right. and it's a waste of money. You did know, you ever assets. see the uh, drone footage they did of this pig farm? This guy. Uh, I've seen some. I don't know. First it, of not all, particular, I think maybe. some that you would probably agree with, and I agree with, and those those people in the uh, cowspiracy documentary certainly agree with, is that there's something evil about these ag gag laws oh yeah yeah it's, it's that's crazy shit where you're not supposed to film atrocities that are being committed in these factory farms well this guy got a drone and he flew it over this pig farm and they have a goddamn lake of pig shit, shit a and piss it is gigantic and it's they have these 
things where the pigs live, these cages. And then here, here's a guy. Um, he's going to do it right here. He's uh, For people Jeez. that want it, Spy Drone Exposes <laughs> Smithfield Foods. Put, put, say, right. say that up. Put that up. Smithfield's Foods Factory Farms. So Spy Drones Exposed Smithfield Foods Factory Farms. The lagoon is a good word because it sounds dirty. The lake of pig Cesspool. shit and piss and whatever. Yeah, it's, it's like a red well, color. At, it's disgusting. And look at these. I mean, imagine how many... Animals are in one of those sheds, oh, and they don't see sunlight. You yeah, know, it's, it's fucked. It's fucked. It's not. It's not. It's not human. It's not humane. It's not ethical. It's not right. But to bring it all home, Jeez. all right. Look at this. It's the, the lagoon. Or the look at the color. Does it just sit yeah. there? Do they ever yeah. do anything with it, or does it just sit there and bl- bubble, bubble, bubble? What did you say, Jamie? Spray it around to the house so it's going to try to find a picture of the thing. Oh, and the person, and they talk to the neighbor? They spray it in the air? Yeah. Oh, my God. It gets gets in the air and goes into people's houses and thinks some of the neighbors are saying it gets gets in their house and they can't even breathe and they need to leave the area. Oh, fucking. There's a a fear factor thing. Can we hear this guy? Hear this guy. Former pig factory owner. Let me hear this guy. Come on, Don Webb. Something wrong? There's no sound? Well, you can just see the way it's moving within the facility there, too. Oh, there's an issue with the computer. Um, Strange. Yeah, man, it's, it's dark. It's evil. And it's when all of a sudden these things don't get treated like a life. They get treated like a commodity. Yeah, and uh, I think, I guess there's levels, right? To people that are vegans, they would say, well, any animal that you would be willing to raise and then ship off and sell... Like, why are you any better than this guy who's got these things stuffed into this thing? I mean, yeah, your animals are living a normal life, but then eventually you're going to kill them anyway. You know, yeah, whereas, I, you know I'm, what I'm saying? Yeah. I, you know that. And I, I have a, a, a friend who's a vegan, and uh, in fact, one of my heifer calves is named after her. Um, and she's honored by that, actually, because she knows that that one's never going to be, um, or probably won't be, Probably is a good word. (laughs) Probably won't be butchered. But um, unless she gets a prolapse cervix or something like that. But um, so if your pussy's broken, you're done for. (laughs) Cows. Cows. Yeah. You got to be specific there, Joe. Yeah. So (laughs) to say that there's not a difference is well there's definitely just not paying attention but no i mean if that's what the argument is then you're not paying attention and we can't have a conversation about it i just think they think that the ultimate goal at the end is definitely death or the ultimate result for these animals is life yeah well i mean these these same people don't want you to be shooting wild animals either that's yeah well even wolves which is hilarious right i just read one is hilarious because there's so much ignorance involved in people's idea of what a wolf is and why there's so many folk tales and stories that involve yeah. bad wolves killing people. There was a, a two. I just read this. Two um, wolves. I believe it was Idaho. We can we can check in if we want to. But two wolves killed 176 sheep or something like that in one night. Oh yeah, for fun. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that wolves do. It's, and then they're having a real big problem with this in Yellowstone and in a lot of places that have elk, is that they don't kill like a cat will kill a wolf, or a cat will kill a, an elk, rather, and he will eat that elk for mm-hmm. a long period of time. He'll bury it, he'll try to, and he'll eat it, and a wolf kills it, eats a little bit, and then kills another one, and then kills another one, and kills another one, and they do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. And one of these guys that I know at Hoyt was telling me uh, about this, this wolf that had killed this uh, cow, and the way it did it was it attacked the ca- cow elk, attacked it, tore its guts apart, and then this thing, and then backed off. 
and just watched and sat Jeez. and didn't eat and watched this thing struggle and try to walk away and tried to walk into this river, try to get away, and then it would go after it again and tear it apart a little bit more and then back off again. They do it for fun, and it's what they're designed for. They're killing machines, and they enjoy it. And it's it, they're beautiful. And I'm not saying that they're evil and we should kill them all and eradicate them from the face of the world but there's something strange about that kind of animal they're not it's they're not necessary they're not environmentalists they're not conservationists they're fucking wolves <laughs> and and wolves are dangerous they're 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 they have an essential place in a, a very diverse ecosystem but the top of the food chain is fucking human beings period and when human beings decide you know what there's too many of these goddamn wolves that are killing a hundred plus sheep in a night. Or my friend um, Mike Hawkridge, who lives uh, up in um, in BC, his neighbor, their fucking cow got taken out. A cow got taken out by wolves. And you're in in BC where he lives. There's no tag limit for wolves. You can shoot as many as you want. You can shoot wolves. It could be your hobby. You know, what do you do? I go bowling. I shoot wolves. Like they they're fucking trying to take out as many wolves as they can. When we were talking about coyotes before, and personally, I don't, you know, I've shot a few coyotes in my day. How dare you? And, uh, yeah. Uh, but it's not <laughs> something I go out and I go out and, and pursue, uh, you know, necessarily. It's more opportunistic or whatever. It's and, fucking and, with Roadrunner, and you got to take them out. Yeah. And, and, Anvil. Uh, <laughs> Acme. Doug's just like. And, and it's, it, you know, it's sort of like the deer thing when I was listening to various arguments about uh, deer. Well, one of the reasons we have so many deer in Wisconsin and in other agricultural areas is because of, of agriculture. Right. And they are highly adaptive. Yes. And that's a really big point because they're not even essentially wild. They're really kind of like a farm animal in a lot of ways. And it was one of the the things that Steve brought up on the show that we talked about, you know, I don't know if it ever made the air. Did, did that make the air? We were talking about how these animals are essentially, in a lot of ways, they're like a livestock almost. Well, non-fenced in. Oh, yeah. You know, you saw the trail camera pictures that I sent you of different deer that I had, you know, different, uh, you know, bucks on things. Well, you're mm -hmm. not going to see that out in of course. Idaho or Utah right. or whatever. Well, maybe you do. But, I, but no, I mean. And, and Well, they're very different than like the mule deer that we were talking about before the show yeah. started that Ranella killed. Uh, that was on a show recently, which is enormous, um, beautiful, majestic public land mule deer that he killed. Mule deer, they found, will travel 150 miles um, during a season. They're, they really migrate in, in yeah, incredible And again, probably for a lot of the same reasons, yeah. because they have to. For or, food, and, yeah. And and for just, food and, and, and for whatever. Whereas an older a deer gets in our area, at least my experience has been, so the older a deer gets in our area, the less it moves. mm so if you have a, a buck that you're, you know, you're managing four bigger bucks and you start seeing one that maybe has a distinctive antler or something, so you can tell it from other ones, um, you'll begin to realize, you know, that great big one that I shot, I saw that deer for two years. He lived in about a 40-acre area. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. You're just waiting for him to slip up. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. <laughs> There's a lot of these hunting shows where they name the deers. Yeah. You know, they'll they'll call this one. Uh, Megabuck. Yeah, you know, Old Forky and, yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> they'll have names for these animals, yeah. and they'll target them. We're looking for Lucky. We're trying to get Lucky. Yeah. You know, and they'll have these shows. And, like, this is so bizarre because it's in a lot of ways you're, like, kind of farming because they have these gigantic pastures that they call food plots so they what they'll do is they'll they'll plow the land and they'll grow a lot of clover a lot of different different types alfalfa yep. different things Recipes, that they know yeah. deers will eat deers 
No, deer. Deers. And so then they set up a tree stand and uh, whack them out. Yeah. And um, I do it, too. I yeah. mean, part of what I do in my land management service for people is to is to help their property become more wildlife friendly. Right. One of the things that I try to push to people is that when we're doing things like timber stand improvement or invasive species management or providing uh, wildlife food plots, we're planting wildlife food plots, just not deer food plots. And a lot of those guys, you know, what I really want is deer. Right. Well, I, what's but good you need for, it all. Yeah. And what's good for deer is generally good for a whole host right. of wildlife. So it's a little bit different. But yeah, no, I know what you mean. I tend to name them afterwards, like that big one that, that, <laughs> that, big one that I killed. Uh, you know, we called him the standard. Um, and because cool. it's the standard by which all yeah. after this will be judged, you know. Right. And, uh, but... Yeah, I mean that part of the relationship is is uh, complicated. Complicated, man. It is complicated. But like all things involving life, they become complicated. There's, it's not. It's not simple. Yeah. Can I talk about meat eater a little bit? Yeah, please. Um, so we did. We shot uh, starting this Thursday. There'll be uh, there'll be three episodes in a row that were shot on the farm. The first one's actually Steve taking apart a couple of the deer that that he finally shot a couple of deer on on our place and technically. He'll say something else. But during our hunt, he killed two deer. But he took them apart. So it's a really informative um, episode about the different kinds of cuts. How to, Well, one, how to just do it. Mm-hmm. And then the different kind of cuts and the methods for doing this stuff. Just really, um, I, I just watched it, and i just just really impressed by it. And he's amazing. He really he, is. He's so, I, he's so goddamn important. Because in my my mind on television, he is the most prominent intellectual voice for wild game management, wild game conservation, and for hunting. He's he's a true conservationist. Um, he's a, a guy who really truly believes in public land hunting and, and and goes way out of his way. I mean, he gets plenty of offers to hunt on private land. He prefers to hunt on public land, and he prefers to do his best to try to do whatever he can to help keep those lands public. Yeah, and to, and to promote that. And, and uh, I think one of the things he likes about hunting on my place is that he knows that after the fact, we, you know, like when you were there and just like when this past year and every other year, there's a small group of people that hunt opening weekend. After that, I start letting other folks come in. I mean, it's our private land we're able to do, but it is the public's animal. And, yeah, I put restrictions on folks. You can't shoot a buck or, you know, it's got to be this big or whatever it is. And uh, and, and he's applauded that in the yeah. past. And, I, and you know, and I, 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 that's really important to me mm-hmm. um, because I struggle with that a little bit. But um, But the alternative isn't very good where your land is just wide open to anybody who wants to come in on no. it. Experience that. No good. That's well, the problem is you can't really count on everybody to be ethical. You can't really count on everybody to take care of your land with reverence and dignity and the way you treat it. Yeah, no, you it's one safe. Or two. You yeah. know, liability, you can't let every Yahoo, yes. you know. Very important. Very important. Like, like the the animal that got winged in the neck as he's going by that that the coyotes took up part. You know, the, who knows who shot that and yep. whether or not it was yep. an ethical shot or just, a, just a bad and, shot. Yeah, and that's a, that's a big part of it. Well, <clears throat> so that's the first episode. The next two are two people that I I, I hunted with us that I know and love, and we actually um, uh, did a very similar thing to what you and Brian did the first time Brittany and Helen uh, hunted was in uh, Montana. That was a year ago, and sort of like uh, Steve did with you and Brian, well, 
very the, the next hunt was to bring them to our place. Mm-hmm. So they went from hiking and working hard and freezing and not seeing deer very much to freezing their ass off sitting in a blind mm-hmm. doing. And the weather cooperated. It was nearly not nearly as cold as it was. It was when, super or, snowy though. Coincidentally, I was in town. The night before oh, opening yeah. day, and I was so bummed out that I had scheduled it where I had to be in Colorado the yeah. next day, and yeah. I barely made it out of Madison. Oh yeah, it's not like I, a, yeah. I was in your town, man. Yeah, I, I know you up. were. And it, we, <laughs> fucked yeah, up. Well, that can't happen again. Yeah, we were thinking about Cal and I were thinking about flying in on Sunday, but we, 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 schedules didn't permit. Yeah, um, well, that would have been that'd have been great. Um, <laughs> next and, year. Yeah. Good. Cool. I'm counting on it. Yeah, now. well, next year we're uh, going to manage it. All right. Callan and I, were, were we made a commitment to it. We were talking about it. We're like, we had so much fun two years ago. Yeah. I can't believe we missed it. Well, I'll it. do what I can to make sure the weather is not as bad. No, we don't mind <laughs> shitty weather. Yeah, no. I, and, you know, people ask me, you know, what was it like with those guys? They said, you know, as... Uh, that's us. Yeah, that's shit on a stick, which is still... <laughs> I think it's still the number one meat-eater viewed YouTube video. <laughs> And we had so much fun, man. It was so fun just hanging out, just and laughing. And I am trying to interject some, you know, wisdom. conservation wisdom into it. Yeah. It was so fun, man. So fun. Those. That's one of the things about these experiences. The camaraderie is almost as important as the hunting itself. Like yeah. just to have a bunch of guys hanging out, having a good time. Uh, on your farm and and this you have a, such a beautiful piece of land that we were talking about earlier that we use the term driftless. Um, and what that means is that this is the area where the the glaciers passed over. They didn't go through this area. So you have beautiful rolling hills. Yeah. And people think of Wisconsin as being like sort of a flat area, which it is in some southern, spots. Southern, yeah. Yeah, but where you guys are at, it's amazing. It's fucking gorgeous. And... Uh, so much wildlife too. Turkey. We saw turkeys. We saw. We almost hit a turkey on our way to the airport. There's three of them, big ones. Right. Wow. And, and that would have that would have messed up our day. I mean, was, yeah, I don't know if we'd have made it if we'd have hit. One <laughs> we would have made it. We would have made it. I would have knocked the glass out. We would put our goggles on. We would have drilled. We would have made it. Don't worry about us. Don't worry Again, about us. Another part of the reason I, I know we got the fire in the belly, me. dude. You said that. Yeah. Put some That's ski what I'm goggles here for. on and drive yeah. all the way. <laughs> they can take out your windshield, though, right? Uh, big birds, man. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, so we had such a good time with that. And, uh, I think when Helen and Brittany, who were, um, beginner hunters, um, they wanted to have that experience similar to what you and Brian had in, in Montana. Well, you know, we don't take it easy on us because we're, you know, whatever women or, or whatever it happens to be. And I would not take it easy on either one of those two for any reason, because they're just, they're, they're badass. Those are <laughs> badass women. Helen's know? addicted to jujitsu. Oh yeah, yeah. She's been doing jujitsu with Anthony with uh, Tony Bourdain. They've yeah. been going fucking crazy. She yeah. takes it all the time. She's yeah. lost a ton of weight. She looks fantastic. Yeah, you know. Uh, so we did a very similar thing. Although this time, if you recall, when you guys were there, we had these blinds set up. They were mm-hmm. like pop up blinds and stuff. So uh, Steve says, you know, I-, I think we have to have them do ground blinds and you know how hard that was when we were inside those blinds mm-hmm. and they didn't really offer any heat or anything so no. it made complete sense well we built these beautiful blinds um the one that steve built will be there after the apocalypse oh so you guys built them while you were there yeah yeah oh, how yeah, did we you do it just get some plywood and stuff oh and... No, no 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 just with what was there i mean of course steve had to take some wire and baler twine and stuff along and Brittany and i just went up where i was it would just pull stuff together and kind of make a <laughs> how many bit. days did you do this for the blinds yeah 
oh, a couple hours one afternoon. Okay, so like you say, well, what was there? You mean like wood and b- yeah, boards? Leave, you know, uh, branches from trees and and uh, you know and that sort of stuff. Stuff that was just laying around. What did you do with the one that I got that I bought you? Oh, that's up on uh, up. We call it shit on a stick, right? Up on. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what, what that area is called now. <laughs> oh yeah, you know what? Well, we name them all. Yeah. Right? So um, I put four uh, round bales on end. There you go. And then I set set it up on top of it. And oh, actually, nice. the second day, I went up there with my cameraman and sat. And uh, it didn't make the show, thankfully. But uh, I will admit on the air that I took a shot at a deer and just clean missed her. And I tell you, I spent a couple hours that afternoon because I just couldn't believe I missed. Well, you did. You, well, when we were there, I fell and fucked up my rifle scope, remember? And you oh. actually helped me sight it back yep. in because yep. I didn't know. That was um, we had an issue with the, the scope being loose. Yeah. When it was set in, whoever set it in, um, just because we changed scopes. I had a Leopold, and we put a Vortex on. And when we changed the scope, unfortunately, it wasn't done right. And uh, there's some, so just some steps weren't taken to secure it correctly. And just or a you slight fell on fall. It hard. How do you guys <laughs> fall on it that hard, yeah. man? Because I, I was but up was in off, a second. Man. It was off bad. Yeah, like more than a foot or close to a foot yeah. at a hundred. You know, hundred yards. Well. I wish I had that excuse. I just clean missed that deer. It was it was a poke. I mean, but she was standing still. How many uh, yards? Uh, about four hundred yards. Mm, I mean, it was yeah, a, poke, a poke, but I sure. had a, that's a long fucking shot, man. Uh, and uh, I just I clean missed her. Now, do you use one of those um, iPhone fire? calculator apps where like you have to like figure out like how far it is, the velocity of your gun? You know, what are you shooting a thirty odd six? Uh, actually, I had a. Um, a Savage uh, 300 Wind Mag. Oh, Jesus Christ. That they you brought for me to, you know. Oh, yeah. Savage is the sponsor of the show now, right? Yes, that's Excellent right. guns. Oh, wonderful. Savage arms are fantastic. Wonderful. So, um, they have that special trigger, too. Like, yeah. It's like the one-step, two-step process. So they have a very light trigger, but it won't go off accidentally. No, and it was, you know, it, the the rifle was dead nuts. Yeah. And well, by I, the way, I should say these guys, uh, I know about this stuff because of Steve Rinella's podcast. It's called the Meat Eater Podcast, which I talked him into doing, and now he's yeah. uh, now he's addicted to it, too. Yeah. It's a great, you know, Doug's, great fun. Doug's I've, famous. Great I've podcast. I've done three or four of them. Yeah, yeah. Them. And it's a great podcast. He's yeah. so good at it. And yeah, you had the guys from Vortex on there talking about yeah. the different things, and um, I learned a lot that day. Um, so anyway, I clean missed. And... Um, <sighs> I know I've talked about this before on maybe the podcast. I've, I've, I said I've never regretted a shot that I didn't take. And Steve's like, really? Because, um, you know, he's incredulous about most of the things that I say. But uh, And most things everybody says. <laughs> well, he challenges you, that's for sure. But I, I took that shot, and I kind of regretted it because it was a long poke. It was a rifle that wasn't my rifle. I would have right. made that shot with my own, but I, at, right over her back. And she ducked in the whole thing. And, and I, I was sure I hit her. We, I went down there and I'm. Did she jump the gun? Like, did she drop down because no, she when heard it, the it, gunfire? No, it zinged over her back. Oh. And uh, we watched it, uh, my cameraman and I kept watching it on the thing. And so I went right down to the spot where I marked exactly where the spot was. We had snow and everything. And um, I just clean missed. And, and it was a shot that, in retrospect, I kind of wish I wouldn't have taken. Especially with what was happening right then, deer were starting to come to the field and all that. But anyway, and the point was, it was from that blind that you sent me after that that hunt, and so it li- that's where it lives is up there on top of the hill. It's a great spot; you'll love it when you see it. Um, Have you ever seen those bale blinds? 
that are they look like a bale of hay, and yeah. you, you you sneaky go inside them, and you're like, hey, can we've I actually, get some yeah. hay? And we've actually, I've just, just <laughs> nothing <laughs> happening here, nothing just hay, a bale of hay, just some hay. Oh, we used to make some cozy blinds. You know, my old man would uh, he'd take three, four round bales, and then put a little cover on top, and you're in there toasty. I I I, I missed out on the biggest buck opportunity of my life. Because my old man let me get out of chores in the morning. He said, you go out in that blind. He's like, me and your brother are going to kick one out of the swamp. You 10 o'clock so rolls cozy. around. And I'm so cozy. And I'm passed out. And uh, all of a sudden, I hear my old man. He's like, hey, what are you doing? I get up. I'm like, what? He's like, didn't you see that thing? I'm like, oh, I was too small. And I can't remember what he was calling. He was he had a name for it. And he's just like, that was, you know. Old swampy. That was a mega buck. You know, and. <laughs> Oh my God! And you I never, it was too small? I never. Well, I didn't. You I was asleep. sleeping. Oh. It was so I was cozy. trying to make an excuse. You know, my old. Man, I never lived that down with my old man. Oh, that's so funny. Because that was such a. It was, and we we were watching that guy. You go out shining at night. You ever been shining? No. You need if, you need to do that sometime. Is that like moonshining? No, no, you go no, out with a spotlight. <laughs> you just drive, drive around, around the, the country roads and and shine the deer that are out in the fields. And, and he just to, to get a, a just kind of monitor where they're at. And yeah, wasn't that. Well, that's where what people use for poaching, right? They yeah, use, yeah, it's but legal this to do yeah. during certain. As long as you don't have guns and, and you're not, yeah. you can't do it during season. But it's legal. Oh, you can't do it during the rifle season, no. during hunting season. No. No. no, 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 that's right. It ends at a certain date. Well, anyway, um, but what we did because the other problem with those blinds, as you might remember, is you're pretty damn crowded in them. Yeah, and I actually sell a a, a, a blind now called Shadow Hunter blind, which is a different. Oh, they're great. Yeah, yeah, um, and so I have a few of those around. Um, and, and they are, they are great, but we couldn't, it didn't make sense to do that. We had too many people filming and, yeah. and you know, the filming thing. So we built cool blinds for four people, you know, two people, two hunters and two cameramen. But they weren't insulated then. Oh, they sure weren't. <laughs> <laughs> and the day before, well, you were there, you know what happened? It was beautiful. The day yeah. Before. We were out squirrel hunting in the morning, just, and these, and these girls were shooting squirrels, man. Just wait till you see this. Uh, the, 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 they did such a great job. They were so much fun, and they were just so such into good it. squirrel murderers. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and they just like you and Brian, man. They they gutted them, they cleaned them, they did the whole thing, you know, uh, to the point where uh, I think Helen was maybe a little regretful that she had. Uh, uh, well, they had three deer. To, they broke down completely by themselves. So did they? Um, did everybody shoot a deer? Was everybody successful? Everybody but the guy who hosted it you <laughs> yeah oh man that's crazy you got a big one last year right yeah i got a nice one last year and i i i filled the freezer this year later on you know the season goes on what what are the oh, keep going this oh know. i'm sorry well so we did much the same we set up and and uh it was really interesting we had a marine sniper trainer uh steve, steve uh knows he's from actually from our area there he came in and talked to us about shooting a little bit and you know specifically for for helen and Brittany. And uh, I'm just so proud of those two. You know, they take it so seriously, as as seriously as you and Brian did. Okay, you take it really seriously, and Brian take always took it seriously when he needed to take it seriously. Yeah. Um, and uh, very into it, very uh, respectful, wanting to know about it and all that. And we I, and I hope that I think it comes out in the episodes. You know, I'm so close to it, I can't I can't necessarily say, but we're very successful. Uh, well, I don't want to spoil it for everybody, but yeah, there were we put. We put uh, some deer on the ground, and um, and they they did a terrific job, um, and I think it makes for compelling uh, 
for a compelling episode. No, as that, well. show, that show's always awesome. Um, what I wanted to ask you is, with all the wildlife that you have in your area, what what are the seasons? I mean, I know you have more than one season of deer. So, what, when do the seasons start? Is it archery season first? Yeah, archery season starts. When's that? Uh, September fifteenth or the second Saturday in in September. And how many archery? Do you have a lot of archery hunt, hunters come out there? Yeah, a lot. Um, on our place, no, mm-hmm. no, no. But I'd be happy to have one or two. <laughs> I don't even like rifle hunting that much anymore. Um, well, the thing about archery hunting for deer in our area is, you know, it's a very well. But you, you've learned all this too, um, hunting with Cam. Is that it's it? They've got to be closer, and I don't mm-hmm. care how many yeah. of them there are. Yeah, they've got to be close, and they've got to come. And you're going to spend some time out there, and not much is be going on, but. Our archery season coincides with the, that first part of November, end of October, first part of November, where the pre-rut and rut is going on. So there's a lot of deer activity. And so there are, um, you know, you can call and you can use scents and all that stuff. And they're coming in. And as you know, it's a completely different relationship with mm-hmm. the animal. We actually have crossbow hunting. Uh, now you can use a crossbow, not a longbow. And personally, that's what I use. Um, that's cheating. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's not archery. That's a shitty gun. <laughs> <laughs> it has a fucking scope on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sure does. It sure that's crazy. Yeah. It's a magnification scope. You put the crosshair on, you pull the trigger, you can sit it on a rest, you can rest it down like yeah. you can. That is not archery, goddammit. You can drink beer while you're doing that. You can. You can smoke, shoot heroin, shoot one of those <laughs> fucking things. Well, you don't have to practice with them much. Yeah, at all. And uh, And it is certainly different than shooting a rifle um i'm comfortable at 50 or 60 yards with a crossbow yeah and i know people can shoot further than that and then i just ethically i just i'm just not interested in that but i am interested in i don't have um boy if cam was here he'd you know drag me outside or maybe you will i i say that that bow hunting is for people who don't have enough to do and that's true (laughs) that it takes so much time to be an ethical bow hunter you're talking to a guy who shot 200 arrows today yeah I shot all day today. I had a Hoyt representative come to my house, and we're we're shooting arrow. I have a whole 3D setup in my yard. Yeah, we're shooting a rubber elk all day today. My arms are sore. Yeah, yeah. You have to be an asshole. Well, <laughs> you have to be committed to it. Yes. And I, uh, the hardest thing for me during that time of the year on the farm is to sit in a tree and wait for a deer to come by. Um, I've got all of these other things that I need to be doing mm. that during that period of time. Not at my at my work and you know in Madison or something like that but on that right. farm. Yeah. So I'm actually moving a little bit more towards in during archery season is because I've not had a whole lot of archery season. We've had a couple of guys over the years but to start to host people come out cuz I'm going to be there anyway. Right. I might not be partaking in it myself. Well, that's my that's actually more attractive to me than even coming on an opening day. No, uh, how long does the uh, archery season last? Uh, until the First uh, of January till the first of January, so it goes straight through. Well, you can yeah, you can bow hunt during the gun season. So I could have come down and bow hunted when those girls were shooting squirrels. I could have bow hunted. Yes, and Ooh. when they were shooting deer, you could have bow hunted. You just had to right. wear an orange jacket rather than camouflage. Right, but is... before that, I could wear camo. Yeah, so I could I could uh, I could archery hunt and then bail and yeah. then take off right before. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's just first, so end of October, first part of November uh, when the, the when the 
the active rut is going on, that's that's the time. What's what's the deal with the black powder? Is that still separate? That's after after uh, everything after the gun season. So then it's, black power, black power. I know, I know, I know, I'm just kidding. You, you got me. Seals you got there. me, dude. <laughs> People don't know what we're talking about. We're talking about muzzle loaders. Yeah. For some strange fucking reason, it's okay to use a primitive, stupid weapon that you should never use in real life. You, you put a ball yeah. and you pack the powder in like you're living in the fucking 1800s, yeah. and you shoot this stupid thing. And the thing here's the thing about muskets. This is the weird thing about them. They're real fucking accurate now, like real accurate to like 200 yards. Yeah. So they're basically a rifle that you can't make a good ethical follow-up shot on. Yeah, there's. I don't like them. The aerodynamics are. I get it. Old. Not only that, you shoot in this fucking giant cloud of smoke <laughs> in front of you. You don't know what happened. <laughs> Boom! Where's the animal? I don't know. Did he hit it? Well, fucking, I don't know. Well, there'd be plenty of people who are gonna you're gonna hear from. About I know. That. <laughs> I know. I listen. I, it's it is definitely more accurate and better than a bow. But my point is, use a fucking gun. Like, why? If you're shooting one of those things and it's accurate to several hundred yards, some I know people that have shot a deer at 250 yards with a musket. Wow. So with a muzzle loader, when you're getting to that kind of a distance, like, what is that really? Right. You're, you got a rifle. It's a shitty rifle. Yeah. If if you're talking about a bow, if you shot something at 200 yards, you're basically closing your eyes and shooting up at the sun. Yeah. You know who the fuck knows where that arrow's going? You're shooting 250 yards, but with a musket or a muzzle loader, you can put the crosshair on that thing you can accurately judge just like you can with a rifle the problem is it takes you like 15 to 20 seconds to reload as opposed to just going uh, if you're if you want to make yeah. a follow-up shot with a rifle you know or there's a lot of people now that are hunting with semi-automatics yeah whether you're going pang 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 you can shoot a deer three times in two seconds yeah well think about the black potters you got to have your bayonet for the finish that's ah, the, you know. the civil war boom so, and then you're on the run <laughs> Do you have to have a flint and hits the thing and makes the spark? Johnny Reb. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, everybody that. has their preference. And yes. I guess the thing on my or my family's farm, you know, I'm the captain and the captain gets to decide what happens. Yeah. And, um, um, and so, you know, and, and it's like, oh, this is the way it's going to be. I'm not absolute about anything. You know, over time, things kind of ebb and flow and change. And, and uh, you know, for me, well, I still want to, I want to be out there in that first, of course. you know, that part of that first part of November. I don't have to practice every day. I can't where I live. Mm. Um, I don't have to become, uh, uh, and I readily admit it. I, you know, I have an old Hoyt um, and uh, I like the bow and I'll shoot it once in a while. But man, 20 yards is about it where I feel like I can make an ethical shot. How dare you? We need to get you a new Hoyt. What year, what year Hoyt do you have? Oh man, I'd have to check with Shane. The guy I bought it from, it was, I bought it from him used because he was upgrading. So it's like in the 60s, like one of them bamboo ones? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking. <laughs> it's, uh, I think it's like a mid 80s, maybe a late 80s. Oh, laundry wheels, like yeah. for fucking laundry ropes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mid-80s, for real? Uh, mid to late 80s, yeah. Should, should uh, maybe it was early 90s. I'm sure I'll hear from just use them. a slingshot? Do you have any rocks you can throw? <laughs> what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> Spear. <laughs> just jumping on the tree. <laughs> you know, it's just not my, uh, uh, no, my priority. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I have a lot of respect. I have a lot of respect for bow hunters who spend the time to become that proficient at it. And then, 
you end up spending a lot of time whitetail hunting in our areas. There's guys who spend a lot of time doing that. And like I said, I just don't. I, 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 I got totally more to do. understand. I totally understand. I'm totally busting your balls. It's not something that I would. I, I don't think anybody should do it. How about that? <laughs> don't, don't do it. Don't go bow hunting. It's too much work. Yeah. And it's too addictive. Just And forget about bow hunting. If I never hunt again for the rest of my life, archery is massively addictive. I love it. I'm, I'm shooting. Cool. I shoot every day. It's, a, it's so much fun. Yeah. To me, it's a it's a nice peaceful, like meditation type of a thing. Do, but do they, do they have like ranges out here? Yeah, yeah. There's cool. a bunch. Yeah, cool. There's a bunch. There's a, a big one off of uh, the 210. So it's a fucking huge long distance range. But I think that um, it's a it's a nice meditation. It's nice to do. But when it comes to compound bows, man, is really the difference between a bow from the 1980s and a modern, like, 2016 Hoyt Defiant. You might as well be shooting a musket versus, like, a modern Savage Arms rifle. It's not that much difference. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 real, the, the amount of power that these things have now and the speed in which they shoot arrows and the accuracy, there's so much technology and engineering going into bows. It's really kind of amazing because it's one of the few pieces of hunting equipment that literally changes and improves every year. And so I think about that when I hear these uh, the bow hunting purist friends who are just cackling right now about you giving me shit about about bow hunting, <laughs> uh, which is great. I mean, it's, it, it, they're going to well. There's it. a real purist that think I'm a pussy because I use a compound bow. Well, they right. use recurves, long bows, because yeah. yeah. they like not being accurate at all. They like <laughs> they like fucking hoping they hit yeah. shit. Uh, Boink. I, sorry, I and they're they're, they're getting them. mad at me right now. Fuck you, you pussy! <laughs> <laughs> Shoot a real bow like a man with your Go fingers. Make it yourself. Too. Get some leather yeah, from the yeah. last animal you shot and wrap it around your fingers. I actually think that Steve was talking about on this upcoming butchering one about how he was taking the, uh, how they used to take the silver skin off of meat and they'd get the long strips of it and that's what they made their bow yeah strings, strings with yeah. Yeah. yeah sinew yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. They used to dry it out yep. and roll it and turn it into... I mean, did you see his thing from um, uh, when he was uh, in the jungle? Was it Borneo? Where the fuck did he go? Bolivia. When yeah, he, Bolivia. Bolivia? Yeah. God damn, that was an amazing show. Two-part yeah. episode where yeah. they went to Bolivia and the traditional bows those guys used to kill animals, they had these really heavy, really long arrows and these stick bows that they had made themselves. And he showed up with a Hoyt carbon spider. <laughs> yeah. And he's drilling. Yeah, there's, there's the uh, bows wow. that these guys had. Well, look at that arrow. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. They had these really long, really heavy arrows. Jeez. And notice how there's no fletchings on the arrow. And he's got the follow-up arrow right there in his hand, too. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they keep them in their hands. And like, I remember on this episode uh, how he struggled to uh, – Hit the fish because of how the water would reflect the arrow, yes. deflect the arrow. I should yeah, say. and these guys are just like nailing them one after another. Well, it's not just that; it's not the water deflecting; it's the image. Yeah. It looks different. Uh, the, yeah. the the fish is actually it could be as much as six inches lower than what you think because uh. the refraction in the water from you're looking down at almost like a, a lens, so it's like distorted where the actual fish is. So if you shot right at the fish, you would never hit it. Yeah, you have to shoot like below it. It's real weird. You ever you ever see the the ones that uh, people use in America? The it's like a trident. Yeah, it's like a big. You know, there you're, you're kind of yeah. making up for that. You know, yes. you got some more. We some have more, all these prongs. Yeah. And they, they shoot these arrows that like. They, or like they, a long spear yeah. when they're doing the sturgeon. Version sturgeon. Of arrow, the right? shocker. Spearing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, uh, when I was a kid, we used to shoot carp up at the end of the lake. and But they're, 
because the water's real shallow, and they go up there and just raise hell, and their backs would be out of the water. So you'd, you know, it was, you yes. know, we weren't dealing with it. Right, right, that. right. Yeah. Well, oh. I used to live near um, Lake Charles in uh, Boston, and there was an area by the uh, waterfall where the carp would pool up. And it was incredible. I mean, you're looking at like these 20, 30 pound fish, and there's dozens of them just yeah. stacked together, yeah. and you see them on the surface of the water. You know, but it's uh, a junk fish to us, but a delicacy to people in the UK and in Asia. It's very interesting. Like yeah, what one person, smoke it. yeah, just, what one yeah. person decides is a good fish, and then in uh, you know, and the problem was they were an invasive species in a lot of the North American rivers and, and lakes, and mm-hmm. people don't like them for whatever silly reason. But they're a very good fish to eat, apparently, if you prepare it properly. Yeah, you can say you know a lot of things. I mean, you know, one of the things about grass-fed beef is. Um, you know, a lot of times it doesn't have the fat. So, I mean, you got to know how to cook it. You can't overcook it. Right. That's you know? a big point. Yeah, and real... that, I mean, you can say about any kind of meat. I mean, people well, can elk. fuck up a really good piece of meat, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, especially a real lean piece yeah. of deer, venison or yeah, elk or something stuff. like that, moose. Yeah. Same thing. I mean, you want, you want to barely like singe the outside of it almost and just, and, you know, and knowing like how to prepare it is, is a, a big part of the responsibility of hunting. You know, you don't want to have this meat that you've got from this animal and you have so much reverence for the death of this animal and then you just prepare it like an asshole. Yeah. Like you have to put almost as much thought into the yeah. cooking. It's one of the things I really love about Ronella's show. Yes, sir. Like the the episode that I watched last night about that Idaho mule deer that he shot, this enormous deer, was it really focused on, at the end of it, how he prepared it. You know, he showed you how to prepare it and how to cook it properly and how you can tell when it's done and all this different stuff. And he'll he'll go through the butchering process or go through the cooking process. And that's something a lot of these shows, they don't even touch, man. They get the deer, look at him. He's a real Iowa giant. And they take a picture of this animal. They show the antlers. Look at his fourths and his fifths. And yeah. look yeah. at this brow tine that's sticking up like this. Or down in Texas. And then they donated Or they're in the tower. Yeah, they're, they're in the tower yeah. down in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of that. A lot of donating. A lot yeah. of donating. And, and there's... I suppose that's a good thing, but yes, it is a good thing. But there's also shows where they pretend, you know, we're out here hunting. You know, you got these fucking piles of corn out there yeah. that you're waiting for these animals to come to, and you're, you know, you're just kind of shooting at these spots where you know they're going to be. Isn't that inter- That's always an interesting part of any discussion about hunting. About you know where are the ethical lines? Yes, because you know, guys will say, well, because we, baiting is illegal by us because of uh, chronic wasting disease. Um, when you put a pile of corn out, they're exchanging saliva and that's how they that's how it was spread that's interesting because uh, yeah. but you guys do have some deer farms which is where people think the origins of chronic wasting disease are from yeah there, i heard an interesting uh uh discussion about that recently and one of the things they talked about is that there were these protein blocks being put out and that may have been they've never uh there have been a few different uh ideas of where it came from and um one is uh uh from the deer farms and other is these protein blocks that maybe got put out and it's got animal byproduct mm. in it and maybe that's oh, how it jumps species. So is it like a uh, prion thing? Is it something? That's all- exactly what it is. Is a prion. Yeah. So it's similar to mad cow disease. That's then. exactly right. Oh wow! So would that have come? I, I don't know. Um, you know, and, and I've even heard it uh, said that um, there are places where they were trying to improve the genetics of the deer herd, so they were bringing in, you know, bigger bucks and releasing them. I don't have any proof of any of it. So those yeah, are just the things that, you hear. That could be the case. That they are they are very concerned with people that release these an- animals from these farms out. But there's some fucking places like I got contacted by this guy. Hey man, come hunt at my place. And then I and I looked at his Instagram page and I'm like, that's not even a fucking it's a deer. Big cage. 
Well, it, uh, it, I don't know. I don't want to talk shit because I, I, you know, I don't know this guy and I don't know why. But it's a high fun, fence operation. Yeah. Um, I don't even want to say what state it is, but these are—they're barely deer. There are yeah, these these deer that have these fucking bushes growing out of their heads. Yeah. yeah. If you see what their antlers look like, you're like, okay, that's not even real. Have you, Jamie? Pull, pull up this uh, ridiculous antlers in a deer farm. <sighs> they they're growing these animals and I've seen it, man. they're trophy uh, trophy. Well, deal. you yeah. call them trophies, but essentially they're manipulating the genetics of these animals so that they have all these antlers, so that these rich assholes can go and yeah. shoot these things in like this hundred acre fenced in area where they're letting these animals out of their pens. Like, look at that. Jeez. What is that? What are we looking at here? And you're man? killing that deer for one reason. But just for so you could put that on your wall. And but I, well, I mean, I'm sure you could kill it, and it would you know taste just like a regular deer. I'm sure they're delicious, and they probably. But look at this, man. Jeez. So they're growing these insane antlers feeding by them supplements, feeding them supplements, and feeding them the shit that makes their like antler steroids that makes their antlers grow. They, they don't look like antlers, man. It looks, it looks like, like tumors. Nuts. It looks like yeah, balls. like a walnut. Well, like like Doug said, we were talking about this. It's criminal. I mean, Doug's very strongly opinionated about that. I mean, that's what's criminal. Weird. The, Be careful the, what you say. Put well, look at this caging a man, caging a man, and having a th you know three hundred acres isn't that big, and you got this three hundred acre yeah. cage. You know, that's not hunting. That's yeah, but I said earlier, fishing a barrel. That's fishing a barrel. But is. I said earlier that on forty acres, that's where that. That deer it's true, but you know what? He could live that leave that forty acres whenever if he, he wants to. to. Yeah. And that's a big part. He wasn't part. coming to a bait pile or any of that kind right. of stuff. You know, that's, that's a big part of ethics, right? And I figured him out. Yeah, and I guess that's where I was getting to is you know where those lines are. Well, this is the hunting that I grew up with. I've right. never, I've never hunted uh, outside the Midwest. I've really only hunted outside of our farm twice. Well, I have a friend who hunted in Texas at a ranch that has 10,000 acres fenced in. I'm like, well, as far as I'm concerned, those are wild animals. Yeah. 10,000 acres? Yeah. I mean, th there's not a fucking animal on earth that's going to travel that far other than a mule deer. There's yeah. not there's not an animal on earth that's going to migrate further than that in its lifetime. You essentially have this gigantic fenced in habitat. And their idea about it is, look, we can manage the wildlife, sustainable wildlife inside. We're not feeding them anything. They live off this land, but we're just keeping people out. We're not keeping the animals in. We're keeping people out. I'm like, okay, I can line buy that. A song, I think, yeah. Is that a line in the song? A line in the song. Uh, put up this kind of fence fucking to music keep me out or keep Sing all it. the nature oh. in. Oh, Keep yeah. mother nature in. If yeah. God was here, he'd tell it to your face. Man, you're some kind of sinner. So, that's hippies, though. That's hippies who want to fucking get on <laughs> yeah. your land, by the you way. You ever hear yeah. that, the, yeah. uh, that bit where they're like, uh, the part about the sign, uh, the sign said, um, anybody caught trespassing will be shot on sight. You know, it's, it's like a radio bit, you know. Oh, right. And, they, yeah. and then it ends. That's the end of the song. It's That's complicated business. It's it all is. a complicated business. And, and these ethical lines uh, are difficult. Uh, it's something that you have to think about. It's something you have to talk about. Yeah. And you've got to well, be willing to change your mind sometimes, too. Well, baiting bears is a big one. Oh. Baiting bears is a big one because uh, there's a lot of places where the only way, especially in the spring, you're ever going to kill a bear is if you bait. So they have to control the population of these bears because the bears are killing moose. They're killing calves. Uh, they're killing fawns from deer. They're killing all sorts of things, and they're killing cubs. They're killing each other. I mean, the bears are killing machines. So when they have these in environments where they have to control the population, they allow baiting. Mm -hmm. The reason why they allow baiting is to make a successful hunt. And recently, I think in Maine it was, 
I don't know if they passed it, but they were trying to pass no baiting on bears. And the reason why they were doing it is because anti-hunting people were trying to stop people from hunting bears. So the way they would essentially make a hunt completely ineffective was saying no baiting. So, because as soon as you can't bait, you can't find you them. Can, yeah, yeah, you're not going to have any success. And you don't have any don't chance find for them. any success. Yeah, no, I, get I have it. friends who live in Michigan, and they were telling me, listen, man, you could go a fucking decade without seeing a bear in the woods. Meanwhile, they're everywhere. Yeah. You just don't find them. You go near them, they, you hear, they, they hear a snapping twig, like, they're fuck gone. this guy. Yeah. And they walk so quiet. Those pads. It's just... one of the weirdest things about bear hunting is when you're out there and you're waiting. They walk, they, you know, like you stand by like a trail where you know they head by. You'll see one before you hear it. Like, they'll just be right there. You're like, oh, shit, he's right there. They're just so goddamn quiet. Amazing that such a big animal could be so quiet. With for... slippers on their feet. Yeah, yeah. They have slippers. Like moccasins. Yeah, I mean, the pads. Have you ever touched a bear's yeah, yeah, pads? Yeah. It's weird, man. Yeah. And it's designed to creep up on shit. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's why cats have them, too. They have those pads at the bottom of their feet. Why don't they have hooves? Wouldn't hooves be better? Yeah, well, hooves make too much noise. Yeah. You can't be jacking shit with all that noise. Huh? So they come creeping up on you, but it's, they're like little ghosts, man. Weird. Cats and bears, they're ghosts. Pad slipper wearing fucking <laughs> ghosts. <laughs> no. Oh, good stuff. Listen, I think, I think we're done. I think we should wrap this pitch up, bring it home. Um, uh, this is a lot of fun, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, hey, Nate. I appreciate the opportunity, Thank you, man. I, I, uh, would say a little bit about uh, yeah thank you very much and and to steal a line from ray wiley hubbard the days i keep my gratitude higher than my expectations are really good days and today is about as good a day as you could get well i really enjoyed it i appreciate you guys flying out here and doing this and uh i'm glad we could have this conversation and you know get get your perspective yeah. on things because i think a lot of people have uh you know. Listeners, continue the discussion, man. I mean, yeah. you never stop learning. That's you what know? it's all about, really. Yeah. I mean, this is all about just trying to figure out other people's perspectives. Work and together. Work together, man. <laughs> okay, man. <laughs> just stay the fuck off Doug's land, you hippies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, thank really you, friends. Nice. We'll be back tomorrow with the great Boss Rutan and Moro Ronaldo. Should be a lot of fun. And then on Friday, Robin Black, my pal Robin. And then on uh, Sunday night, Fight Companion. All right, so we'll see you soon. Much love, friends. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning into the podcast. And please forgive me for saying without further ado, I'm trying so hard. Uh, it's just some shit to say, you know? That's uh, that's the thing. Some shit to say. Some, sh- some shit to say when you're just trying to figure out how to, how to be smooth. <sighs> Ooh. While you're uh, bringing up a podcast. Um, I want to uh, thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank Squarespace. Squarespace. If you uh, if you're looking for a website, goddamn, we got the solution for you, motherfucker. Huh? What's our solution? The solution is Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com. Oh, I clicked the wrong one. Go to square. Where is the hell? Oops. Go to squarespace.com forward slash Joe. Uh, start your free trial today. Squarespace.com forward slash Joe. And uh, free domain name if you sign up for a year. God damn it. Okay. All right. We're also brought to you by NatureBox. NatureBox. Delicious, yummy snacks sent right to your door. And with a wonderful discount if you visit NatureBox.com forward slash Rogan, you will get 50% off your first box. That's NatureBox.com forward slash rogan we are brought to you each and every episode by onit.com um one of the reasons why i talk so good is because i'm hopped up on some alpha brain as well 
R-O-G-A-N-N-I-T. Use the code word Rogan. Save 10% off any and all supplements. Uh, and, of course, Caveman Coffee fueling us through this with wonderful caffeine. CavemanCoffeeCO.com. My friends, thank you so much. Thank you for uh, all the feedback, positive and even uh, even the corrective criticism or the positive criticism. Honey, with that? Constructive? That's it. Constructive criticism. I appreciate you guys in so many ways. Uh, really do. Um, so th- thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And we'll see you tomorrow with the great Boss Rutten, former UFC heavyweight champion, former king of Pancrase, uh, my good friend. He's a great guy. And Mauro Ranallo, who was one of the uh, original um, broadcast guys on Pride, which is arguably one of the greatest mixed martial arts promotions of all time, the glory days, if it were, of the early days of uh, MMA. So Morrow and Boss work together, and they're, uh, they're about to do a podcast. They're going to launch a podcast, and they want to come on and talk about it, and I'm going to fucking subscribe to that podcast for sure. Boss is awesome. Morrow's awesome, and I can't wait to talk to those guys tomorrow. So that will be tomorrow. Thank you so much. Much love to you all. Uh, Be kind to each other if you can. Please, please, come on. Here it comes. See you soon.